Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remixed, Season 2, Episode 3, Hot Shots. I am, as always, joined by one, Robert Sapp. How you doing today, this evening, Mr. Sapp? Doing well. Great to be here. Great to be talking about The Wire. Yeah, uh, we were just talking, you know, before uh, we before we started recording, you know, this was a a very layered episode. A lot was going on in this episode. Uh, this episode was directed by L.D. King. Uh, to no surprise, it was ranked 56 out of 60 um, in terms of all-time Wired episodes by Vulture. Uh, that's been a recurring theme. These first couple of episodes in season two that they've been lower at the bottom half of the rankings. Um, you had a, you had a, uh, the epigraph, what they need is a union, union by B.D. Russell. And you had, of course, Omar's return, uh, as well as Omar's return. A lot going on in this episode um, with characters. You know, if I, if I had a theme of this episode, uh, it would be multiple themes. I would go like anger, desperation, and legacy. In regards to Avon, Valchek, Val uh, Nikki, Ziggy, and, and Avon, those are those are the characters that made major moves in this episode. Um, we begin with the opening scene. Uh, you have Omar, his new boo, Dante, Kima, and Tasha, who are also a stick-up crew in their own right. They rob Omar's score, the or the score that Omar was scoping that it was going to be the score. <laughs> they, and they um and then you have omar saying you know classic omar that's something you don't see every day uh what were your thoughts on this opening uh this is this this will be the trend from now on in terms of when omar um appears uh in the season um and it is a uh just the announcement that omar omar is here uh, so this is, it's, it's setting the table for future, like the future seasons of like when Omar comes in, um, some things are about to go down. And I think like this, this is a great starting point for that. So you have, uh, Freeman and Bunk, they're down Philadelphia, Philadelphia still holding the port, holding, holding down that, that ship at the Philadelphia port, still looking for leads in their case. And they, you know, they're, they're going through it. Um, they, they're interviewing a bunch of, they're interviewing a bunch of people that were on that ship who, who is a combination of not, of not speaking English and not wanting to speak English. It basically, it's basically, basically they, these guys are not going to say anything to the cops. Um, not going to say anything to them. So some of them, most of them pretend like they can't speak English. Bunk and Freeman are just, done like they they are you know they for the, it's one of the rare times you see freeman snap on somebody he I, I rarely you see freeman curse and snap on somebody he's normally a cool customer but even he's at his point at the point where he's just he has had enough and the case is the case has just begun so i think the frustration of them realizing that this is this is a unsolvable case and you know they're going to in philadelphia and, and they're just you know spinning their wheels and one of the uh, people on the ship basically said that, like, listen, these guys 
have a code. They're not going to talk. Like they're not going to talk to cops. What's, what happens at, at the bottom of that deck on below, below deck stays below deck. So at this point, Freeman and Bunk are just, uh, you know, just look as good as it's quality as good as great they as great as they are as a as a team or as a as individual cops they really looked lost in this particular scene and they were lost uh what were your thoughts so why are they frustrated well the guy they i mean the guys don't they're trying to get some information and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no i know how the scene plays out why are they frustrated I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, go ahead. They're, they're frustrated, not because of what's happening. That's par for the course for police officers. I mean, they, they've worked drugs. So they, they, they know what the, the, I mean, a lot of people don't talk to the police. So anyways, point, point being like that, that's, that's part of the regular job. That's us, us as educators being like a kid won't listen to what we say like that. What? Like that's, that's just, that's just every day, all day. Um, so lying to the police is not is not the thing that is the most frustrating. Um, should they be working this case? No. <laughs> That's what should this doing. case even be in their precinct right now? No. 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 So um, uh, and it, it'll be an extension. I'll have a lot more to elaborate in another scene coming up. Um, but but this is the beginning of. You're right. Personally, of course, they're frustrated. They're professionals, but um, I think there's a little bit more lying under that frustration of why am I here? Why am I talking to all these people? Why am I investigating third de- 13 dead girls? 13 dead Jane Doe's. No question about it. They absolutely don't want to be there. Don't they, they don't, let alone they don't want the case and they don't want to be in Philadelphia. Like there's it's you know, so it's like the it's it's a perfect storm of, of, of shit that they don't want to deal with at this point um, in terms of this case. Um, you have Nikki and Amy. We get introduced to it. Now, we, this was an episode with some, with, that had moving parts. We also got introduced to a number uh, of new characters. We already, we already talked about Dante, Tasha, and Kima. We get introduced to uh, Nick, Nick Sabaka's girlfriend, uh, baby mama, uh, Amy. Uh, he's getting a haircut. He's, uh, she's cutting his hair, stressing him about um, money and about getting a new place. And this, this is when Nick's wheels, to me, start spinning in terms of desperation. Yeah. Um, he, you can see it in his face. You can see, like, again, uh, she's talking about the embarrassment of, you know, not having our own place. You're staying with your folks. Um, and he... That he feel, he feels that pressure. There's a lot of question. He feels it. Um, hold one hundred percent. What was your what were your thoughts to her introduction? Yeah, at the, I mean, you used the perfect word, desperation. That that's the perfect word. And if the wire isn't is is anything else, it's a show about money and what what happens when you don't have it, and how do you go about giving it? Right. Um, I'll also have more, I'll tie this into another scene as well, but this is the genesis of it in terms of, um, you know, like last season, again, I'll, I'll, I'll keep beating this point over and over again. And the reason why I thoroughly enjoyed this season is because of the juxtaposition and what the, 
what the creators were trying to say with this season, right? So we get to, in season one, we get to the, the um, what's the, uh, what's the projects that uh, the Barksdale crew lives in? What's that called? Does they have a name? Towers. Towers, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, yeah, the towers, the pit, all that. But anyway, we get, we get there and it's already in motion. Every, like this is, this is something as they say in a, in a scene, not as they say, but in the scene with, um, with uh, D'Angelo that I love where he's going through the history of his family, right? And like how, how they're in this uh, cycle um, in order to, to live the life of quote unquote the American dream. And so um, the juxtaposition now is, um, well, we look at these stevedores, right? And they're generally viewed as hardworking um, uh, 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 individuals who happen to be white. Uh, that's a big, that's a big, big part of it. Um, and lo and behold, they're not as clean as one would think they are. And then to zero in a little bit more, then we focus in on, on um, as the Greek would call him, Miko. Um, and we see the evolution of his desperation and like where it started at, like literally like, yeah, where it started at and, um, and all of the kind of like the real life pressures that, that do as of right now, he's very much against anything else, but life is pushing him to get money. Um, and so what is he going to do? So this is the very, this is the genesis of it. No question about it. Um, you have McNulty and Daniels um, in the evidence basement. You have McNulty getting some prep work uh, in terms of the Gantt case. Uh, he's getting he's getting stuff together for that. Um, I don't believe I don't. Yeah, he didn't know Daniels was uh, was down there. So this is yeah, this is the first meeting they have this season, um, and you know it was it was ironic in this scene when they when they're kind of going back and forth discussing you know what what transpired basically in season one and how uh what you know how th their predicaments they also bring up Kima as well and you know McNulty says you know she's she's not a house cat a house Kima a house cat she that's not for her so I thought that they and of course Daniels tells them that he's putting in his papers 22 years he has a law degree um they exchange uh, pleasantries and, and McNulty leaves, but I, I think that they, uh, you know, a couple of things. One, I wonder if McNulty had in that moment had any regret <laughs> in terms of how he did the Barksdale case. And two, um, again, you had the discussion with three characters <coughs> who, who paid the cost for um, last season. Um, in terms of Kima, McNulty, and of course Daniels, three three critical characters that paid a that paid heavy costs with with actions uh, with 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 the Barstale case and what transpired last season. So last season, so I found that very I found that ironic ironic in terms of that this discussion uh, with with those two. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a great word again. Ironic. Um, I really really like this scene like a lot um way more than i had ever remembered liking it before 
Um, and I think it's because of all the conversation that we're having that I was able to like really look at the performance that both um, uh, Lance Reddick, right? You know, Lance Reddick and um, and uh, what's McNulty? What's the actor's name? Uh, Dominic West. Yes, Dominic West. The performance that they were given, and it kind of dawned on me, um, zooming out just a little bit. No, no, nothing coming up, but just like when I think about all of the conversations that these two have had. That was the most, and definitely up until this point in, in, the, in the series, um, as we watch other seasons, I might, I might reevaluate this, but I don't remember all pain. Um, but this was the most uh, civil and self-aware conversation, both of them. By far. Had with each By other. Far. Yes, yes. Uh, and so I found that really, really, really compelling this time around. Um, seen as like the route that we've been taking on McNulty in general. Um, uh, so I really, really enjoyed the scene for that. And I, I, it's, it's ironic. It is, it is, um, it's, it's, um, it is a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It is a predictor of things to come. Why am I blanking on the bar? Um, no, it's foreshadowing. foreshadowing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, it's foreshadowing, you know, like it, it's hilarious, you know, watching it and um, them being like, goodbye. <laughs> like we're never going <laughs> to see each other again. Yeah. Like, nah, homies. <laughs> nah, not by a long shot. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the way that they played it was very, very sincere. The characters in that moment believed that. And yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Of course, even even without knowing the history of the show, you obviously know the show's not ending in season three. I mean, in the third season of season two. Um, so it's 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 a difficult thing to pull off, and um, they did a fantastic job. I really really enjoyed this scene. No, it was a it was a great scene. Um, you could feel David Simon speaking to speaking to you as a viewer saying that you know um and i i, I will use an epigraph from a future season in future uh, from a future season deserve has nothing to do with it mm-hmm. so it is not about who deserves what not about doing the right thing people in this show who who are corrupt corrupt end up at the top people in the show who do the right thing may end up at the bottom so that that he, he was definitely speaking, uh, Simon Burns was definitely speaking to you in this scene. You could feel like, you know, we know that obviously there are creators and writers, but that, that, this was a, like, like this was like, yeah, this was Simon saying, yup, this is what it is. This is the, the this is the game uh, in regards, in terms of the, on the police side. And uh, just, just to add on top of that, as you were talking, it made me think consequences. Consequences. consequences right? Yes. And, um, in, in the education world, you know, consequences doesn't necessarily mean punishment. It just right. means the thing that happened after the act, right? Like what happened after it? I had a full bottle and I pushed it off the, the table, the consequences that it falls on the floor and water goes all over the place, right? Not bad, not good, just it's the consequence. And yeah. so, um, and so uh, it's up to the viewer. Again, this is a, a trope of the wire that they, they, 
just do at a, a master level. Um, it's the it's the viewer who gets to kind of like fill in the blanks on that. Like, was this a bad consequence? Was it worth it? Wasn't it worth it? Everything like that. And Daniel says, you know, what the hell? We brought in the case, right? Like I yeah. could have been screwed over for a billion different things, but at least we brought in the case. Um, and so, you know, that's where he landed with it. We know McNulty's not fine, but it, it is what it is. With him, he's not going to show, uh, you know, X amount in, the, in, that, in that matter of time. But it also got me thinking, like, um, you know, uh, we're both fans of Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad was a show that really focused in on the consequences of its, uh, of its characters. Um, the Wire did it first, but they did it in a more grounded, grounded way. Just very, very grounded and didn't. Yeah, yeah, just did it in a grounded way. That's why I end, end that story. Yeah, no question about it. Um, we have, we have Kima, Tasha, Dante, Omar. Kima and Tasha ex execute a flawless robbery. I mean, this was, I mean, you can see why Omar would, would, would wanted to pick, wanted to uh, connect with them because this, this was just like, they, they caught the dudes, you know, dead to rights. Um, Tasha, uh, well, no, not Tasha. Tasha, Tasha was the one that was driving. Kima said, "Yep, got caught slipping," <laughs> and just and basically taunted the dudes as as Kima as Tasha's as Tasha's driving away. Um, and by the way, didn't Kima did not get even get in the car? She stood with a gun pointed, not even trusting with the fact that waiting for these dudes to uh, just in case the dudes trying to run up on her or or you know uh, do something. She didn't even get in the car all the way. As the, as uh as the car's pulling off, and then they you know they're in their glory. They find uh some empty row house where where you know where they at. They count the money. They crack cracking jokes, and then Dante comes in. Uh, Dante comes in and to announce. And this this is classic Omar. It was it was hilarious. Omar's in the build. Omar's in the room behind Dante. They can't see him. They can't see Omar. Dante comes in and announces. Omar, as they're saying that, as they as they're counting the money, cracking jokes, then he they like no, no, he's dead. You know, we they they shot him up. I heard them projects do. I heard them project cats lit him up, and so on and so on. And you know, Dante says Omar, you know, Omar no, Omar's back. Oh, he says Omar comes calling. Then Omar comes in, makes an entrance, then pull you know pulls out the shotgun and says basically says he's back. And then the and they and Dante takes their money. Uh, what were your thoughts on on this um, connection? Yeah, I, 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 so a couple things occurred to me as I was watching this this episode. This is just more like the ins and outs of the episode. No deeper meanings here. But um, uh, a, as we know from the beginning scene, like he he respects the hustle, right? Like so that's a, and then b, um, you know. The plan that he had no longer could happen because they did it first. So right. he needed a new way to go and get at them, right? And so, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a double play on Omar's on Omar's behalf, right? Like, a he goes in there um, and uh, gets the money, and he can also add a different way in which to go and get homeboy's money as well. So um, 
it is a potential win. It's it's always a it's all a win-win for him. If the girls pop off and not, you know, da-da-da, then whatever, then at least I got the original score. But then I can pad on to that if I can bring them in um on the ne- on the next score. So um like I said, anytime Omar's on this screen, it, it's he's doing some he's he's do, he's doing he's putting in work. Yeah, no, he, he was clearly thinking thinking way ahead um, in terms of... And also, this is very much setting up what's going to happen in, in a later season. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, so, as always, The Wire is not only playing for now, but playing for the future as well. No question. So, Omar has a new crew. Um, we'll certainly get back to them later on in this episode. You have uh, Freeman, Bunk, and Russell. They return back to uh to the headquarters in Baltimore and they basically tell they tell Landsman who um to tell Landsman about the case to basically say they have nothing hit a bunch of dead ends uh Landsman you know is eating a sandwich and basically saying you know Rawls is watching us on this so he gives him that eat it he also talks about uh talks about uh Russell's clothes and basically said, you know, you wear, you wear plain clothes here, plain clothes in homicide. Uh, she still has her port uniform on, uh, cracks a joke about, uh, about bunks and, and Freeman's um, clothes and how they dress. Um, but again, um, they are on point for this, for these 13 murders. And they, you know, you have those two and then you have basically an, an outsider in Russell. So, Landsman doesn't help when they get back to Baltimore and discuss this case. He doesn't add anything to it. Basically, just you know, basically just gives him a he gives him a warning about you know, Rawls is watching. Yeah, and that's that's actually the subtext of this of this scene, right? Like, so it's like it's like um, there there Lansman's being Landsman as 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 yeah, he's presented himself awesome. in, in all of these episodes, but. Also, Landsman, like, I was thinking about a comment you made last week when you were talking about Cole and the type of detective that he was. Um, and then, so then I was thinking about Landsman this week, and I was just like, well, obviously, Landsman had to be a really good detective, right, to get, to get into the position that he is. But he, he presents himself as a buffoon. Like, why would the writers do that? Like, like let's zoom out. Let's zoom out now. Um, not not talk about like why would the writers do that right and so um the the so when i connect it with this scene it is landsman's delivering rawls's message yes he's delivering the message and the message is and they'll say it much later on in the season um but the message is um <laughs> the message is your boy screwed me you get no you get no um, favors in this investigation. It's an impossible investigation. Yup, yeah. make it happen. Yeah. Make it happen, and um, tell your boy that as well. Um, that that's the whole subtext of all of this. Is that the reason that Freeman and Bunker on this case is not because they're great detectives. The reason that Freeman and Bunker on this case is because um, Rawls and um, adults are in a pissing contest right now. Yeah, goes back. I mean, it goes back to what you discussed last week about the petty. This is this is the petty. 
Yes, that, yes, that, that was definitely the theme of last week's episode. That's definitely the theme. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so Landsman, yeah, Landsman's the sergeant. He's middle management. Um, and so he's 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 the voice. He's the voice for Ross to them. Yeah, no question about it. Um, you have Valchek realizing that the surveillance van has been stolen. Um, and then you have the dock workers taking a picture with the van. And in terms of, you know, we, as we continue the theme about, I'll talk about the theme of petty. So <laughs> not only, yeah, so not only, again, this van was a surveillance van, $120,000. Valchek is besides himself, as, as he should be. Uh, and then the dock workers, again, add some salt to the wound by uh, taking a picture with the van. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was so it, it's so petty. It's so petty. Like it, they just do. They just not care about about Valchek and what and what the replicate what the consequences would be of this. Well, remember these dock workers. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, these dock workers are not related to Baltimore at all. They don't know Valchek. They don't know anything about any of this. They just know what saying is come. They just know this this is funny. And this is something that they're supposed to do. If last week's uh for me, if last week's episode was petty, then this week's episode is about consequences. Um and so this scene actually has again, you know, I, I harp on this a lot. Anything that looks funny, there's probably a deeper meaning. It's very rare that they just write for comedy. And so um it's it's played for laughs but this is a really pivotal scene a real a big turning point um valchek was going about his business yeah there was a bunch of humps they weren't doing ish to sabaka this reignited by valchek yes absolutely so continuing to poke that bear um this is this is the uh from being petty uh, the petty that uh, 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 Sabaka was 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 doing now starts coming to consequences. The for real consequences. Yeah, this about to get a for real detail on his ass. Yeah, thinking about what you just said, this leads to a number of things that end up happening. Like this yes. is, like, and we'll go we'll go through them over this episode and even with next episode. But this leads this really was a uh, yep. turning point to say yep. the least uh, in terms of what's about to go down. So. Segue in that. This is the perfect segue. You have Prez and the detail, and the, the detail, of course, the bunch of humps. They're doing nothing, watching TV, chilling. Just um, and even you know, Prez is like you know, basically saying with you know his facial expression, basically like, what the fuck? Like, what's you know, this is <laughs> this is not this is not going to cut it. So it so he um, observes this, and then you know, this is uh, uh, you know, this was a setup. To what happens later on in the episode so we we knew they were humps from last week and they you know proven 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 that to a t uh in this particular episode um you have tasha kima omar and dante they're back at the stat they're um casing they're uh, casing the stash house i thought this is this is of course a setup for what's going to happen um again omar being omar in terms of just you know patience um 
just seeing this 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 has a whole grasp of, of of the entire picture, not rushing and jumping into anything just because he got just because he's got two new members. Um, just seeing what the next, knowing what the next move is going to be, seeing how he can um, attack. I um, mean, we'll see what we'll see what happens uh, later on in this episode, of course. Um, speaking of casing, Shamrock Stringer, Shamrock Country are in the car. Wait, really quickly, can, can I just go back to that scene just real quick? This one. It doesn't. Oh. It definitely doesn't apply to the to most of the season with Omar, I believe. Um, but it is important for us to think about, all right, how much careful and how much planning he puts in to all of these different things, because you're 100% right, right? And then think about future things that Omar does. Uh, so I, want, I just wanted to put a stamp on careful, logical, planning, you know, thorough, all of those things right on top. Um, there, there, there'll be more to come on, on talking about Omar and that. But I just wanted to stamp that right there because you're absolutely right right now. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's, you know, at this point, he's, he's you know, being laser focused in terms of how he's going to go about this. Um, speaking, again, speaking of casing, you have Stringer, Shamrock, and Country who are in the van. They're watching Tillman's house. Um, as you remember from the last episode, Tillman was the uh, the pro, the officer who was given Avon and Weebay trouble, uh, giving Weebay trouble, and Avon sent Stringer on him. And so they're trying to figure, you know, trying to figure out uh, how to go about attacking, going attacking him. And during that uh, exchange, well, not exchange, but during that uh, this scene, you have Stringer talking about. Um, market saturation in terms of the cell phones, uh, in terms of the cell phone business, you know, you, you tell the story about Pooh and the fact that, you know, if this dude could have multiple cell phones, then the market must be, you know, then he's down on the market altogether. Very important end of the scene. Because um, you watch the scene, you'll, you'll, you'll see the scene and you'll say, okay, the primary focus is Tillman. And moving forward, we will see what happens with Tillman. But I, to me, the most important part of the scene was Stringer's business conversation. What are your thoughts? Why do you say that? I'm interested. Because I, I, I think it just is adding to who he is drawing, is, 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 is becoming. And it's adding, it's adding to who he's becoming um, in regards to the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the organization and the direction of the organization. Okay, perfect. Because I, I 100% agree with you that this scene is about the conversation that Stringer has with, with his guys. Um, uh, it might, I might have a slightly different angle. I don't know. Um, so, but I've been waiting for this scene to, to finally lay this case out. So what I've noticed about Stringer this time around, watching The Wire, that I didn't, that I just wasn't paying attention to, didn't notice, was his insecurity. This, this, this is the scene. Um, and so, um, 24 year old me or 23 year old, whatever, 25 year old me, whatever this, this was 04, 05, I can't remember. Um, looked at it and was like, oh, um, Stringer, the character is, um, trying to, 
become uh, more mogul-like, right? Like he's trying to transform the drug game into a business, right? Like that, that, that is the simple kind of like, like way that I looked at it um, younger. Now, 40-year-old me has a little bit of a different view on it because I can recognize all these, these signs now. Um, Stringer was going to community college and doing all these different types of things to feed his own ego, to feed his own idea of self-importance, right? And I, 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 I likened it, like, so in this, in this scene, like, Stringer's, like, on the phone talking. They're joking around, listen to, listen to Stringer try to play, play Wall Street or whatever. And then it goes, yo, Stringer, why are you uh, are down on the phones? And so he talks about Poot, and then he kind of loves him. This is Aegis Elba. That's, this is why he's a beast. He kind of, like, looks down and then looks back up, and he goes, that's called market. He tells a story about Poot, and then he goes, that's market saturation. Then he looks up to see if they know what he's talking about. Yeah, and I liken it. No, they, of course they have any clue. Like, nobody, nobody's, no, and it's not about intelligence here. It's just that's not where anybody else's focus right. is anywhere in the game other than Stringer. Um, nobody, it's not, it's not rare. It's not, it's not, it doesn't happen where a big time drug dealer goes, you know what? I want to go to community college. Um, so, <laughs> so I, at least to my knowledge. Um, so, uh, and definitely not depicted on TV that way. Um, so, uh, so we go back to the thing of insecurity, right? Like, and I liken it in our profession, right? Like the kid who comes in doesn't necessarily have all the, the shoes, clothes, whatever, whatever the latest thing is. And, and, talks about something that he knows nobody else knows. It may, might not even be true, but just to try to make himself bigger than, than them. Feel important in some type of way, right? And so why it's insecurity is, to your point, why it's big time insecurity, to your point, Stringer's number two. And at this point, he's essentially number one out, out there. So why are you trying to impress the people that you already hold huge amounts of stature over like what is that about and um so anyway so so i say this to say i noticed it all throughout season one and it will be a running theme up until it's not um but uh uh the, the that's the shift for me stringer not as a having an entrepreneur spirit and wanting to like do x y and z but going deeper at the character, that's there. I, I get that that's there. That's okay. Like, like they're not saying, they're not putting things out there that 24-year-old me didn't see. I'm saying that now that I'm older, I see a lot more of the layers that they were building in onto the character. Um, and that was a significant layer that I never recognized before we did this rewatch. And I, that's all I can see now. Yeah, I mean, it, it you know, yeah, it's, it's amazing what you what what you can see in the rewatch because <laughs> and what I, years and experience will give you. Yeah, no, because I completely agree. He twenty five year old me just couldn't have seen that. I just wouldn't have been able to see it. So I had I didn't have enough life experience to recognize that. You say he's number one, right? At this point, and technically he is number one, but on the streets, yeah, out there on the streets, yeah. But he's but think about it. He's doing an assignment for Avon, so. Even even though Avon's in jail, the looming, the effect, the Avon power, the Avon, you know, that shadow 
still is over stringer. That shadow still that like that that weight the weight of who Avon Barksdale is 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 still over is still over stringer. He's doing an assignment for him, and the fact that he, um, I think the writers, I think they did this purposely. You talk about Stringer being insecure. Avon is the polar opposite. Avon is completely comfortable in who he is and knowing knowing who who he is and what he's about. So it makes from that standpoint, it makes perfect sense. So what you in terms of what you said, I, I would say. I mean, I think this is a perfect time to get into the Stringer conversation. Um, so I would say I agree with that in terms of what the writers have shown us of, of Avon. Um, I think there's more, there's more to get into with Avon, but I do think the writers and the creators had the depth of, the, they had more insight on the depth of the character of a Stringer Bell. And honestly, like to just be real, I think Idris Elba as has shown is just, he's just Idris Elba. He was, he was better. <laughs> he's just better um uh and so um so i think we got a lot more time to get at the different layers with 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 stringer with stringer's character and so i think three things are going on here right one is the very like top layer like easy to touch part of what the writers and the creators and i'm sure what idris was adding into the character which was Black men who are in drugs are viewed one way. We want to show a different way, right? Like that, that, that is, that's the top layer. That's right there. And they're doing that. Boom. They're showing that. The second layer, and we, we started to dig into that, is that Stringer is actually making moves for the top spot. The reason he wants to shift and adjust the game, I'm putting up uh, uh, quotation marks that nobody can see. The reason that he wants to just, uh, uh, shift the game is because he wants to turn the game into what he wants. So he can be the main player in it, um, not Avon. Uh, and then the third layer, again, is what, the, you know, and this is what I'm saying about, like, like being older and being able to see all this. What drives us is not what we do and what we accomplish. That's the end result. What drives us is the, that voice and those things when we lay down at night, right? Like that inner that inner voice, our insecurities, our pride, our petty, our whatever, all of that, all that, everything else there. And so that's that third, to me, that third final layer. So what they're showing us is why Stringer makes the moves he makes and giving us a little bit of an insight, you know, especially since they're never going to do a prequel. So giving us like, this is all we're ever going to have to kind of like grasp onto of what are the motivations of why these characters did, did what they did. The Wire is a very complex and intellectual show. I, I mean, everybody said this, we were saying it at the time, it's like a, it's like a visual novel. And so in that, in that area, it is, it is very rarely the, the thing that you can tangibly touch that motivates a character. It's usually what those that voice on the inside. And so this is a way of showing us very tactfully that inner voice that Stringer that Stringer has. And if they, if they, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't think they ever wanted to, but um, if they would have had time to build into like what happened before, they could have shown us more. So I think, yeah, so they're giving us that for Stringer. I just don't, I think they, I think the Stringer character just became richer for them to continue showing that. I don't believe the Avon character ever reached that level of richness 
because they just didn't have enough, you know, they just didn't have enough time. That's my assumption on that one. Yeah. Um, so we we go to Butchie, Tillman, Country, and Shamrock. Um, we get introduced to a new character, another new character, Butchie. Uh, he will play a vital role in this series uh, moving forward, and you'll get to you'll get to know. And, uh, there'll be plenty to know, plenty on uh, Mr. Butchie over the course of this series. Um, he has his own bar. Um, Country and Shamrock see that Tillman, um, that Tillman's getting, uh, that Tillman is uh, getting his drugs from Butchie, which will lead to some, which we will see, but will lead to uh, some, some, um, some things further on uh, that happen in, in this episode. Uh, what were your thoughts to Butchie's uh, kind of introduction to this, to the series? I'm going to have a little, I'm going to connect this with another scene. Um, we see McNulty and his wife Elena. Um, McNulty's been with is was, was with the kids. He's dropping the kids off um, late. <laughs> by the by the way, on a school night, uh, typical McNulty, and she hands him some separation uh, papers, uh, which I don't think he expected whatsoever. Uh, so again, adding on to the McNulty despair of season two on a boat all these girls have died um he's going back and forth with Rawls um he now he is in danger of losing his you know his marriage Man. yeah no I can't, I can't. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let that sit nah I'm not gonna let that sit like you said despair I give you props on two other words I'm not giving you that no uh-uh this ain't the McNulty despair tour. This is consequences. This is what you sow. This is, this is absolutely what this is. You reap what you show. You sow. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Daniels, um, at the very least, was brought into something he didn't necessarily know what he was getting into. McNulty drove that truck and pissed everybody off. So, blah, consequences, homie. Obvious consequences on that. You cheated, you messed around, you're a horrible father and husband, consequences. That's what you get, separation papers. The, it's not that McNulty's surprised. What, what I know they are doing with the McNulty character, there are two things. One, is showing you what self-destructive behavior looks like in another, in another way. Um, McNulty's all the pitch, pitch uh, person for self-destructive behavior on this show. Um, and then the second part of it is that, um, is that McNulty is a selfish son of a bitch. That's why he didn't expect it. In his mind, he and his wife are getting back together. Doesn't yeah. matter what he's done to her. Exactly. Doesn't matter what he does to anybody. It's all about McNulty. And that's the hallmark of self-destructive behavior. When you only think about yourself over everybody else, you are destined um, for, not failure, but you're destined to get, you're destined to get the feedback that comes with that over a period of time. Um, and so what we are seeing is not the McNulty that got Elena and wooed her and got married. We're seeing the, we're seeing the McNulty who's reaping what he sows from all the stuff that he's done. No question about it. You have Nick and Ziggy um, at the port. Um, again, continuing on that 
theme of desperation, you have Nick just, you know, is besides himself as far as uh, getting a lack of having a lack, getting a lack of hours, lack of work. Um, basically tells Ziggy, you know, I'm on basically, I'm, you know, I got a kid. I, I can't, I got a kid and they're not in without a pot to piss in. Um, Ziggy, of course, carefree Ziggy. Uh, <laughs> Ziggy gives him a proposal as far as to, 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 to sell drugs. Remember Ziggy with the packages with, with White Mike in the, the, the past episode. Uh, and Nick completely refuses. Um, Nick doesn't, Nick, I mean, he's desperate, but he, at this point, he doesn't want to go down that road. Uh, what were your thoughts on this series? Uh, I love this scene. And there's so much to dig in to in this scene. Um, mm, I watched this. There are a couple scenes in this this episode that I watched over and over again. And this is one of them. Um, A, just well acted by both actors. Yes. Um, and then B, uh, um, I debated if I wanted to attack this line in my head, but I think it's such a significant line. Oh, yeah, but when he goes, yeah, 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 I'll say it, I'll say it, I'll, I'll do it because I have, a, I have a point to directly talk about it. So when Ziggy says, oh, money, if you're worried about money, I could just go get a package of yayo and we could just do that and everything like that. And he's like, Zig, he's like, Zig, I'm not gonna be some project nigga standing out on the corner getting busted for scraps, right? So the reason, why I'm I'm attacking that line right now is not not like like it it means something and it means something way more than just being disparaging to people. There's a reason why they they put that line in there, and it's because that's Nick that's Nico's stance right now, right? Like I'm not gonna be like them standing out on the on the corner doing this. So that's his stance right now. Right. We'll see where desperation takes him. Right. And then on top of desperation is then the justification you put in your mind to get yourself there. Like way later on, of course, Walter White has laid this out very well for all of us. Um, in, in, in like, yeah, I can, ha I can have a, a moral justification in my head, but everything that I do to get there is horrible, right? And that doesn't make the, the initial justification right. And so right here, what's going on to me is that um, the writers and the actors and, every, and the director are showing where um, that lack of money will take you and what it will put, what it will put you in a position to do. Um, and so that's why that line is significant and that's why this scene is, is very significant. Um, uh, you have uh, Bunk and Russell drive down to a port. They briefly, this is a quick scene, they briefly discuss the case. Um, again, this would be, I think this is a setup for, for a future part of the episode. Um, then you have McNulty by himself contemplating his next move at, at night uh, by the, you know, outside the boat uh, or on the dock. So he's, you know, Hey, again, that was it was a quick scene, but he's you know he's basically taking everything in, seemingly taking everything in that's that's transpired in regards to uh, you know what happened with his uh, with his wife. Uh, so that was you know again kind of set up for what's what's going to transpire. Now we have a key, a uh, real big scene. Um, 
Stringer and Butchie meet for the first time. Stringer asks for the help of, of one Butchie um, and basically says, uses, of course, uses Avon's name, uses Avon's name to get that help. Uh, Butchie was reluctant in the beginning, but as soon as Avon's, you know, getting back to Avon, as soon as Avon's name was used, uh, you know, Butchie acquiesced. What were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, so what's going on? What's going on in this scene for me is um, uh, they're putting the plan in motion, right? Um, in terms of what will lead into future events, but this is the beginning of the plan. So what they were doing initially was scoping out, like they know they want to go after Tillman, right? And they know they want to, but they're like, how do we get at him? Then of course they heard Tillman selling drugs. They're, you know, they of course are big in the drug game. So if he's not getting it from us, then who are the other people could be getting it to? So they're staking out different places. They of course see that he's getting it from Butchie and, um, this is the conversation that ensues uh, because of that. Um, this is this is also where um, that insecurity plays its part in, um, because to your point is there's there's only a certain Stringer's name carries him only carries him so far. Now this is a joint plan, so I'm not even saying this is what's going on necessarily in this scene. Like like this is something that's well thought out and well planned out by both of them. Um, but uh, uh, it still does show that Avon Barksdale's name is what carries it over the goal line. Like Stringer may be, get, may be able to get everybody into the red zone to use the sports parlance, but Avon's name is going to get them into the end zone, score those points. Um, and so this, this scene did a, a very good job of showing that out as well. No question about it. Um, and again, we'll 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 see uh, a lot of Butchie in, in future episodes in terms of this series as well. Uh, McNulty and Doc Frazier. So McNulty goes to the ME, the guy who we you know the, the ME who we saw in episode one, uh, and gets some more information about the girls. Great pickup by Doc Frazier to recognize that the girls had breast implants. Uh, found out that they were you know all from Budapest and um, they, you know, he gave them, he gave Minnoti a number of, of great information that would, that kind of, I want to say inspired Minnoti. I think it, it inspired Minnoti to, to further push along the case. And also, you know, Minnoti for all the things that he is, he, you know, he does respect great police work. So uh, you had that going on with, with that particular, uh, Seen. Um, what were your thoughts on on this on this exchange? Nope. I'm going to roll this into another scene coming up. Okay. So Andy also, and by the way, and this is one reveal too that he finds out. Um, well, now he finds out. Doc, he does find out that yeah, finds out that Bunk and Freeman are on the case. Yeah. That's 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 also a key reveal from that standpoint with this scene. Um. Yeah, Tasha, Kima, Omar, and Dante. They uh, use this little girl as a ploy, as basically a prop to uh, get inside yeah. and rob his yeah. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, I, I definitely paid attention to that. Yeah, I was like, my goodness. That, yeah. <laughs> that was that's not okay. That's not okay. <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> it just isn't. It just isn't. 
So, Again, 25, difference between 25-year-old me yeah, and 40-year-old yeah. me. I'm like, I couldn't <laughs> yeah, unsee that. I was like, no, nah, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that. Nope. Did not like, did not like nope. that at all. Nope. So, mm. Uh, mm -mm, I cannot co-sign on the scene. That's not okay. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't. Really I, don't care. I don't care whose drugs you want to get. Yeah. You can't put that girl in harm's way like that. <laughs> Bribe the girl with a soda. Damn, bribe her with the soda, walked her up, and then as everything's popping, carried her inside. I was like, yo, y'all are horrible. Y'all are all horrible people. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. So they get, oh, man. So they get the uh, get the money out the stash house. The guy inside falls for the, goes for the bait of the little girl, and, you know, she serves her purpose. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she, 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 she was the MVP of that. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Yeah. So you have Tillman, uh, he gets the bad drugs from um, he gets the bad drugs from Butchie. Again, we'll see what that leads to later on. Um we have uh McNulty, Russell, Freeman, and Bunk. Uh, McNulty, of course, feels somewhat, I guess, uh feels bad for them or just wants wants to throw them a bone once he found when he found out they were on the case. And they basically tell him, we already know everything that you were going to tell us. So that I thought that was, uh, that was a lot, that was a scene that, again, to your point about the comedy and the subtext, um, what are your thoughts on that scene? Okay, here we go. So this is why I wanted to roll the, um, the, uh, the Doc Frazier scene into, but here's why I want to state. I watched this scene four times today. I love this scene. I love this scene. I love this scene. Um, it, it, like, if I'm just picking out, like, this, I was trying, to, there's only one other scene I think I like more than this. Maybe, uh, I can't speak on it because it's coming up and we're just, we're trying to take episode by episode. Um, but it's, like, the biggest of big scenes in Wire history. Like, that, that's number one. And I'm I was trying to go between this and that the fuck scene from season one. We did that where they fuck 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 and they how they do everything. That's probably a better scene than this. Um, I have to watch them back to back to just suss out how much. But it's in the top three. This is this is this is top three scene. This is genius. It's it's genius. It's brilliant. Um, uh 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 uh, what's Bunks? What's the actor's name? I was just looking at him today. Uh, uh, Wendell Pierce. Wendell Pierce and what's uh, Lester Freeman's actor's name? Clark Peters. Clark, yeah, yeah. Amazing job. Just amazing job. So let's take this back from the corner scene, right? So um, McNulty is there because McNulty believes he can support. Um, well, initially, he's there because he's just trying to figure, figure things out. He's wondering what's going on with this. Now that I do agree with is, is a asset that looks positive for McNulty. He's thinking about this case. He's wondering about the case. Even Doc Frazier says, you just did this to screw over your boss. Now you're all up in it. Why is that going on? Um, and then he learns about the, that Freeman and them, uh, Freeman and Bunk had, had gotten on there. Now, the reason why I love, uh, I cannot state it enough how much I love this scene, is because if in last season's episode, 
when Kima got shot, if that was kind of like the announcement that this was a, this was not McNulty's vehicle, this was a ensemble show, this was the thing to say, McNulty's not the smartest motherfucker in the room. He right. thinks he's the smartest motherfucker in the room, but he's not even close to it. And the way that they did it was brilliant. I read, I watched this season three times. Um, uh, 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 Bunk, <laughs> Bunk goes, uh, he's going to come in here with some Johnny Come Lately theory. And Freeman, another line Freeman had, you deductive motherfucker, you. <laughs> I just enjoyed, I enjoyed the scene for the writing, for the execution, for everything like that. But also because they put McNulty in, in his place. And at the very end of it, he just like literally like and to Dominic played it per I mean like everybody in the scene played this perfectly because like at a certain point he's sitting up he's like okay okay now I'll know when I'll jump in and then when they tell him they were the Philly ship talk they and knew about the girls and everything he just sit he just lays sinks back down in his chair like damn they know everything yeah yeah I don't got nothing for him I, I can't I can't help him out so literally all he's left with is that he screwed his friends over. At the end of that, that's what that sinking down is. Like, no, 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 you can't, you're, you can't do anything to help us out. You did this. You need to sit in that. You need to sit in that. Don't come in here with some theories that you have because we're real police too. Get that out of here. Right. Get, get all that stuff out of here. And so, again, that juxtaposes um, or adds layers into the McNulty character of just like how selfish and arrogant and self-serving that that he is and how he only thinks about it from his point of view and even with Freeman and Bunk being forced into this horrible situation they're handling it as professionals as professionally as possible um yeah great and and to add another add another uh adjective to, to uh add another thing to that he's a he's, he's similar to um similar to Stringer in terms of on the insecurity Oh, very, very insecure. Yes. Very insecure. Yeah. Um, his uh, insecurity is not as subtle as Stringer's. No, no. His insecurity no. leaks right off the page. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another big scene coming up, you have Frank Sabaka, the lobbyist named Bruce, Father Lewanski, Lewandahoski, and uh, all are at this meeting. And basically, you have Sabaka wanting to get uh, get some uh, movement going in terms of uh, some some traction going for the granary, and he's being schooled by Bruce about who 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 are the key players that he needs to make moves with in terms of talking talking to communicating with who's on their side, who's not on their side, who needs who who they need to pick up as far as pick up in, in terms of getting in terms of giving money. Um, and again, he's getting, you know, getting schooled by Bruce in terms of, you know, reading the room. And we see our buddy, Clay Davis, and we find out that Clay, that they gave Clay Davis $40,000. And this not set Sabaka off, but Sabaka is like, what, we gave this guy $40,000? Like, what, like, he is on borderline appalled at the fact that they gave that they gave him $40,000. So you have Bruce, the lobbyist, introduce uh, Sabaka to Clay Davis. They have a brief discussion. And um, that, again, a lot going on in the scene in regards to the politics and the nitty gritty of what are, are gonna be some things to come. What were your thoughts? 
Yeah. Um, so the, the thing that kept coming through my mind as I was watching this scene is Walter White Breaking Bad. I just couldn't, I couldn't unsee it with Sabaka. Um, and then another thing that popped into my head was um, a line that uh, uh, Avon would say to Stringer in next season, but it applies right here. Um, not hard enough for this right here, not smart enough for that out there. Um, so uh, I'm going to discount the hard enough part for on Sabaka's case, but not smart enough for that out there, right? Like, like Sabaka's playing a game he's, he doesn't know how to play. And the point of everybody in that room was paid by them. Right. Everybody in that room was paid by them. So the point is, the, the point of it is that um, Frank doesn't understand why certain things are happening the way they are happening. Right. Like he's initially talking to the guy that's already on his side. And that's why he, he breaks him out of the conversation. He's like, that's a waste of your time. We already got him. You need to go work the other side of the room. The people who would not be here if we did not pay them. Now, Clay Davis may have had the most money paid out to him, but everybody that he identified, another white man, another white woman, got a significant amount of money to be paid in that room, to get into that room. So it's not even about the dollar amount. It's about how this system works. The Wire's speaking on a bigger message on that, but when we zoom in on this scene, um, I look at Frank Sabaka, and that's what I see uh, from him, and I see what's happening in the scene. It's just that the game that he's trying to play, he can't play. So it's another huge self-destructive act in, in his thing. He has this idea, this really good foundational idea. I want to save my union. I want people to have jobs. I want to give as many jobs to that. But every action he takes to make that possible is a horribly, horribly, horrible, horrible, self-destructive and destructive action. And then on top of that, um, he is... Uh, he is uh, justifying, um, no, 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 that goes into that. And on top of that, he is making, um, he, he's, he is making the mistakes that will cost him his union. I'm done. Yeah, this again, a lot, lot going on in the scene. It certainly will, uh, and again, another scene that was definitely going to have some um, some setup to it uh, moving forward. Uh, you have Bunk Freeman Russell, Bunk Freeman Russell speaking to the FBI about the uh, about the girls, um, and they, you know, this is where the epigraph from Russell comes in, where she says they needed a union. Uh, they needed they needed a union. Um, what they need is a union. That was the exact uh, epigraph quote. And basically, I mean, you, you see what you know. You hear what these girls had to go through and what uh, and what transpired in that not in that can, but on that ship. And it's kind of you know there was you know we brought this up a lot of times throughout the course of this not only this season but throughout the series up to this point about dehumanization and that was without question going on in regard these girls are just are looked upon i can't i can't make a connection uh going back to season one um how these girls are viewed are similar to how drug dealers and drug kingpins view fiends they are just 
they're they are just like cash cows. They they are they are just objects. They're not you know they're not viewed as human beings. What were your thoughts? Real. I mean, you you nailed it. Uh, um, I'm just gonna expand on your point. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, not viewed as humans. Um, not. I mean, not yet. Yeah, not not valued as human beings. Essentially, they're the product, right? And so, like again, um, the first thing I was gonna say before you you broke that down. So eloquently, the first thing I was going to say was, who, ha- who in this show has a union? Nobody. I know, like, yeah. Well, right now in this season, who has a union? Uh, the closest thing was Omar. <laughs> Omar. <laughs> Omar. No, no. You think it, you think, like, like, we, sometimes we don't have to even get that deep, right? The dock workers union, what, what um what's the what's what's the character's name? What um now I can only think of her uh uh her real name. Um what, B. D. Russell's character? Yeah, yeah, B. D. Russell. I can only think of Amy Ryan in my head. I was like, I know that's her real name. Um so uh so um the reason why I believe that's the epigraph and why she says it at that point in time is to highlight exactly what she said, right? Like like who's protecting them? What, what is what what is going on here? And how is this happening in the docks of the United States of America? And how is this okay? Right? Like when have we gotten to the police scene? No, that's coming up a little bit, right? No, no, not sure. Right, right. Okay. All right. Anyways, so um, but we we know and, and we 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 have seen that this is not an isolated incident. And so that that's what she's that's what she's, in my opinion, referring to on one hand. And then the deeper part of that, um, for me, is um, docs projects. They're equal. They yeah. they they're relating. They're relating those two very much together. Now, on one end, the 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 uh, the in Nico's word, the project niggas on the corner selling stuff demonized on the docks where uh where frank sabaka came into the greeks so mad at everything was like we do this this and this and this and could potentially do this you don't want to know so whatever so they're running stuff in there all the time on of things they don't even know and then on top of that they're stealing shit all the time so docks projects what's the difference right what's the difference there is no difference there is no difference. These are both communities of people who the system does not work for them. Again, showing Sabaka being in that unfamiliar place right there. The system is not going to work for them. I, I would say the office says the system crushes these people and these groups of people and don't give them any other choices or give them very few other choices than to solicit out uh, illegal activity if they want to pursue, pursue the quote-unquote American dream. And so that's the juxtaposition. Not even, no, no, it's not even, well, I guess it could be juxtaposition that you're getting right here, but that's the, the equation that is going on right here. And B.D. Russell's putting a name to it. You guys have a union, the dots that protect you. These girls have nothing in their dead in the container. Yeah, and, and to your point about the projects, 
the Fiends don't have a union either. <laughs> no, no, they do not. <laughs> they don't have a union as well. No. Um, no. She's seen uh, President Valchek. So yeah, President Valchek is at an anniversary dinner for, uh, for Valchek and his wife. Valchek is, you know, in his glory, right? As, you know, is having a great time, smiling. And then he, you know, they're sitting next to each other. He leans over and asks ask Prez about the case. And Prez, when I mean Prez tells everything, Prez tells, like, he tells everything. To a point to where again change this would this will change the complexion of this season. Tells them that of course the detail is horrible. They're not doing anything. They're not taking DNRs. They're not doing what they were doing. Of course, when they were doing the Barksdale case. Then, and this is the key part, he lets them know. He lets Valchek uh, know about the Barksdale case in terms of what Urban Burrell did not do, and the fact that why the case got temporarily got not shut down, but they could have went further in terms of the political money, uh, of the, in terms of tracing uh, the political the, the political campaign money, which set which turns the wheels of um, Valchek, and we'll see how we'll we'll see what he does with that. Uh, so this again, this is a very very critical important team to the, not just only this episode but the entire season. Yes. Um, all right. So I have really, to be really, really, and I'll say this: I'll, I'll even go this further. Really, so to was important for the entire like series. To be honest with you, in terms of the, the ramifications of of what happens. Yeah, yeah. So I have to be fair. I, I will forever sing the wires' praises for all the myriad of great things that they do. Um, if I do have one critique of this season that is different from uh, last season is there are a couple things that are clearly plot devices in this season. Tillman is a plot device. He serves no other purpose than to, than to serve the purpose he serves. Um, and so you can see that one coming from a mile away. This is another one that you can see coming. Mm -hmm. They need a reason to bring the gang back together. They yeah. need a reason to yeah. bring the gang back together. Um, and so, uh, and so it wouldn't, when it happened initially, I didn't say anything because if it just happened once, it would make sense to me because this is a conversation. And the reason why I'm saying this is because it's a conversation Prez has already had with Balachek that we've seen. And the Wire isn't a show that does things over and over again. Right. Right? Like, you, they let the viewers be their own intelligent selves and put stuff together. So when they do that, it's jarring to me. And so um, when, when they do it, it also reeks of being a plot device. And so you're right. This is the mechanism that gets things moving, which is what needs to happen in the show, of course. Absolutely. But the fact that they're doing it over and over again in the same way, just in different settings, says to me that they were either uncomfortable or unclear about how they would move this along more subtly. And so they're just like, fuck it, let's just say it and make it happen so we can get this along. Or specifically between Prez and Balchek, they 
needed something for these characters to do. Yeah, I, I think I think I think both cases. I think because this, this really takes we we really get to see what that like Valchek go into his bag. Like I, I think so I, I agree with that completely in terms of you know the plot mechanism to to move you know get the gang back together and all. But also I thought this was like to really kind of expand on Valchek's uh, character. It was what it was their anniversary, right? Yeah. What yeah. what number anniversary was it? I, who, I, who else did you see at that table that you could identify? Was Prez's wife there? Was Valchek's wife there? Is, Were their grandkids there? Were their kids like that's what I mean? Like in terms of like they gave nothing else of that scene. Like it was to exp- give us more Valchek. Absolutely, I'm with you. Then give me more Valchek. Like what, like somebody's more, da, 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 everything like that. And so, again, this is the same conversation. They just moved it to a different setting. And all the people that were in that setting were just uh, 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 pictures on the wall, um, plants in the background. You know, they, they were just dressing for that conversation to happen again. And, and, and that's why I say on one end, if I'm going to give the show credit for being smart and genius and everything, I got to call them out when they're not. And that's not something that a really smart show does unless it's literally just to move this plot along. No, and that's fine, but I just like, if I gotta be fair, I can't, I can't not call out when I see like something that is a plot device, that wouldn't be fair to just be like, oh, the show's great. They never make a mistake. They never, not even a mistake. They never do anything that is just, you know, the nuts and bolts of, of moving a TV show along. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with the scene at all. Like, at all. As a matter of fact, I'm sure most people don't even remember that scene for the most part. But if I'm going to give, if I'm going to say I love this season so much, which I do, um, I got to also acknowledge why people would be down on this season. And that's probably one of the reasons is because more so in this season in probably any other season outside of five, um, there are just things that are just there to make the plot move along. Yeah, no, this is, this, this definitely was one of them. Donette and Stringer. So, at the I be- hate the Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I hate the thing. And not because not it's a bad scene. It's a great scene. This is no, why I hate it. It makes me hate it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot with this scene. So, of course, we remember Avon sent, sent uh, again, under Avon's orders, sent Avon, sent Stringer to go see Donette. Uh, she hadn't been visiting D'Anzo, hadn't been, hadn't been bringing down, bringing his child as well. Um, she tries to give, she tries to give uh, Stringer his clothes, or D'Anzo's clothes. He kind of brushes that off aside and explains to her basically what her role is in terms of and uh, in terms of you know what she has to do for D'Angelo as far as or what she has to do for the family, for this for, for the family for you know the organization that you know if he if she doesn't visit D'Angelo you know start thinking that he can't do the time, and then he basically lays it out for her, and then we all got problems. Um, she uh, now then I'll have a question for you after you know after I break this down. Yep. Um, they, you know, they hook up, have sex. Um, 
you know, I, I think with this scene, I mean, I knew, I know what his intentions were. I, I, I don't, I, I think he, you know, he wanted his, his deep inner, his, his, the key part of this scene is, is, is going back to that, in, back to Avon. He doesn't trust Avon's word about D'Angelo. So he needs another source to reach D'Angelo to see where D'Angelo's at. Remember, he's on, he's on the fence about, he's wondering about D'Angelo's loyalty. So yeah, on the surface, he's like, yeah, he's an attractive girl, hook up, blah, blah, blah. And I, I've heard a lot of dumb theories too about him People saying he was trying to get back at D'Angelo. Like, no, no, he, that D'Angelo and her had no, they had no relationship even before D'Angelo got locked up. So I, I don't think this was him sticking it to D'Angelo. I'm gonna sleep with your girl. Like, I, I, I don't believe that at all. I think, I definitely think, I don't, I don't know if he, I, I don't know if, and I'll ask you this, I don't know if Stringer's intentions were before to sleep with her. I just think it was something that if he, I just think it was something that if it just, if it happened, if it was necessary for him to get what he wanted as far as her, complying with him then you know there are worse things you can do um but uh <coughs> but yeah that that to me was the, the key part that he needs a he needed another way because he doesn't trust avon he doesn't trust brianna doesn't trust them either one of them to be objective and rightfully so they're family he needed somebody else to uh to get wind of what was really good with d'angelo and where d'angelo's mindset was what were your thoughts um so i just blew my mind right there i love that theory i think that's accurate i had never thought about that i think that's accurate so i hate so i'll say originally i hate the scene because yeah street so stringers being grimy and was in my head until you just spoke for no reason Cause it's like Avon sitting there to talk. I'm like, why does he like he, he sent her to talk, not to fuck her? He didn't have to. Why did he do that? He's just being grimy for no reason. But then you drop that bombshell in there for me to contemplate, and I'll probably think about that all night long. Um, but it then that ties it together. That ties it together for me. So to answer your question, even before you said the question, yes, I thought String was being grimy as a motherfucker. That's what I thought. Um, so yes, he did know. No, 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 he didn't have to sleep with her, he just did it to do it, to solidify that bond so that she gives him that constant communication. Cause now that makes, damn, I'll be thinking about this for a long time. Um, now that makes sense to me when we connect it to another scene that's gonna come up in episodes later about why he's now taking her call. Now I'm just talking to you cause now I'm literally just thinking about stuff for the first time. So now that, could, that connects a lot of dots for me. I love that, I love that. I love that theory. Um, uh, wow. Yeah, I love that theory. So, so A, yes, I do think he's being grimy. Um, I love that. I hate that scene, but I hate love that scene because they did such a good job. Like, I'm like, I'm, this is disgusting. Y'all are the worst people in the world to me. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's, that's really good act. That's good director, everything. Like, they, they got that emotion out of me. Um, so I love that. And then I, on top of that, I 1,000% co-sign on that theory right now because that makes a hell of a lot of sense damn that's good oh, i didn't think of that that bothers me i didn't think of that that's very good very good very good yeah 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 so yeah wow. we, we will see what that leads to um why these rewatches are so great because you just keep coming up with different yeah, nuggets. No, no, and yeah, again yeah. this is why this show is great because 
what decades later you could just keep coming up with nuckets yeah of things you could never even i i've watched that scene a bunch of i mean let's watch this episode and go through the scene and that scene always sticks out because i hate it uh because i'm like that's just so grimy and for no reason um so to come out of this conversation with a completely different perspective uh i love it no it was no it still was it still was grimy but it, no, it, no, 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 no. But why? Like it was a why, tactical yeah. grimy. It was tactical. Before, yes. before it was just grimy, or a, t- a tactical play. Before yes. it was just grimy. I just thought he was just being a, a dirt bag, just yes. doing it because he could. Right. Um, but that makes all the sense in the world. That makes all the sense in the world. That connects so many dots. I'm gonna watch the rest of the season and next season with a different viewpoint, and that's why I like doing this. So you have. Um, <clears throat> McNulty, BD, Russell, Russell, and Bunk at the bar. Um, Russell dips out early. She said, you know, of course, she has two kids. Um, it's a, we find out, not we, McNulty finds out that she has a kid. So you get that, you get that reveal from that standpoint. They, you know, they pay her tab. Uh, she dips out. And then you have just um, McNulty and Bunk, as we've seen many a times over the course, and we will continue to see over the course of this series at the bar, uh, discussing the case. Um, McNulty, you know, basically the case has gotten to him, and he wants to tell Bunk that he wants to pull the uh, the girl that he pulled from the harbor that we saw in the first episode. He wants to put a name to her, so that you know that's his crusade. And Bunk, you know, Bunk basically says, "You get into that." Catholic school schoolboy type stuff with this, um, with this, uh, with that. So he kind of chides McNulty from that standpoint. But uh, this was again a couple things about McNulty finding out that BD that Russell had two kids, um, and him, you know, getting further and further into, you know, getting further and further into the case as far as wanting to be involved. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know. <laughs> Uh uh-uh, uh, nah, you're projecting on that one. Nah, uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh. Now, the, the key line in that is that's the that's that Catholic guilt stuff. And that's, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm just repeating, right? That's not my personal opinion. I'm just repeating no, the that's line. The, that's what the line And no. yeah, 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 yeah. And so the reason why that's an important line is because what, what is, what he's trying to say in that is that McNulty is doing these things because he feels guilty right um that's bunk's assessment of him we've gone a little bit deeper with mcnulty and his self-destructive behaviors and, and things like that 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 is all coming out and it, it 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 boils down to mcnulty is doing this for mcnulty however it's playing itself out he's doing this for mcnulty this is not about the case stop giving him that credit this is not about the case it's not about the case. Everything McNulty has done and will do is about McNulty. Um, and so uh, when he's talking about, I'm going to give this girl a name, and the way that we know it is, think uh, I'll just put it out there because, again, the way that we know this is D'Angelo, when he goes and investigates, and with this one, when he goes to investigate, do those ever lead anywhere? Right. Yeah. Does he ever get to that point and when does he lose interest right like if this was actually a crusade i'm going to put a name to this face oh wait we didn't get to that part yet um if this is actually a crusade of his 
then um, some results would come out of this or some passion would come out of this. It just falls by the wayside. So, mm -mm, no, no, I'm not getting that. I'm not giving Minolti that credit because I know the writers don't want to give him that credit. They've shown us over and over again who McNulty is and what, what he should, like, how we should view him. It's our past experiences, especially at the time with TV shows, that made us view these characters in very fixed places. What The Wire seeks to do and what it has done is transform the viewpoint of how a police department works, how characters characters work, how a TV show works, how da, 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 like, like transform, shuffle that up and completely like, like tear away what the traditional expectations were of it at the time. And so, yes, we want to root for McNulty because he's presented to us as a character to root for because he's the lead detective. And in every previous iterations of something like that, the lead detective always has a heart of gold hitting under all his stuff. There is no heart of gold. That's what they're saying. There is no heart of gold. There is no anything. What you see is what you get. And they'll break it down when they talk about, and we'll get there, when they talk about why McNulty wants to be on this case at the, like, like further episodes. Right? They break that down. Bunk breaks it down really well. And when we get there, we'll talk about, but there is no heart of gold. There is no heart of gold. He does this because he does, it, he does this. Yep. I, before I ruin stuff, let me shut up. Yep, fair enough. Fair yeah. Enough. All right, Valchek. So Valchek receives the picture of the van with the dock workers. Um, some setup, definitely without question. That that's that'll be set up yep. for, for later on. Further. Yeah. Uh, Frank and Ringo. Ringo is a dock worker who is comes in Frank's office. He comes in complaining about a lack of hours, and he threatens to, threatens to go to another union. Frank's like. Take it easy. Um, go to the go to Dolores's bar. Have a shot and a beer on me. Then you know. Then we, then you know. That's it. That's all he asked him to do. He doesn't he doesn't further expand on that. He says just I understand. You know, Frank is he basically says I understand where you're coming from. Just go down to the bar. Go down to the bar. Have a shot. Uh, have a, a shot and a beer on me. Go to Dolores, who is of course we know is is the bartender, the bar owner uh, for that matter. Um, Setup and uh, also again, yeah, it's definitely a setup for setup for a further scene. You want to add? Yeah. You want to add no, on setup. It's setup. We'll get there. Uh, Johnny Fifty, Johnny Fifty, Ziggy, um, Ziggy gets some information on a can from from Johnny Fifty, uh, Nick, and um, which uh, the can which Nick picks up again, setup for. Uh, for a scene, uh, for a scene that's coming up. Yeah. Butchie and Tillman, you have Butchie, uh, you have Tillman getting some bad drugs, gets the bad drugs from Butchie. Um, and we'll see, uh, we, we certainly will see how that plays out as well. Yeah. Uh, D'Angelo Avon, uh, in the library. So, before we even get into the scene, they had a, a they, before it, they got heavy into the conversation with Avon. They had, and I know you are a Marvel maniac. I am. Ultimate Spider Man, regular Spider Man. Uh, 
do you, you want to know what the difference is or which one oh, I prefer? Which, which one did you prefer? Regular Spider-Man. Right, okay, okay. Because that was, that was the question uh, that was posed to D'Angelo in the library um, before Avon got, got, you know, came into the scene. So Avon comes into the library. Um, and by the way, the Ultimate Universe was completely canceled and redone and everything like that. So it's not even oh, an argument. Okay, okay. <laughs> Avon, Avon comes into the library um, and, you know, basically lectures D'Angelo, um, knows that he's been using drugs. He gets him the, uh, you know, explains to him how he basically, basically comes out and says that he got him that, that easy job, that layup job in the library and tells him, you know, gives him basically the entire plan. Says, hey, lay off the drugs, lay off the drugs for the next couple of days. Something is about to go down. We can get, we can get some of our lives back. Um, and it's the first time that you realize that Avon had a ulterior motive with the setup of Tillman. Because he tells D'Angelo, I'm only going to do a year on this seven year bit. Which, by the way, Stringer did not know about. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, the, so, um, this, this was another fantastic scene. Well, and um, there's, there's a lot that got, so, Wood Harris is a beast here, with, without question, because, and the writers are beasts here, without question, because he tells them the plan without telling him the plan, right? Yeah. No, like, yeah, yeah, he tells yeah. them to lay off without yeah. laying off, right? And that's the genius of it. That, that's, that's what makes a really good scene. And that's when, I, that's why I have to call out, like, stuff like the Val, the Valcheck thing, because they did it brilliantly here, right? Brilliantly. Like, you're 100% right. He lays out the plan. But D'Angelo doesn't know what the fuck is going on at all, at all. Um, all the point that D'Angelo gets is that um, he's testing me, particularly with like, I've never seen you as a weak person. That's the weak man's way out. I've never seen you as a weak person. So D'Angelo just takes it as he's testing me as, you know, a person in here, everything like that. He doesn't see the, the far reaching scope of the plan. So anyway, brilliant scene in that. Also, just an emotionally challenging scene as a viewer, and I would anticipate as a as a as an actor as well, right? Because this is your uncle, and he's trying, and it seems like he's trying to save your life, right? Or trying to save D'Angelo's life. But to your point, he made it really clear this is gonna get me one or two years yeah. off. Like I'm only gonna be here for one or two years. So what like is it a killer two birds with one stone? Can one can can you as a person be can that be a good situation? I know how D'Angelo takes it. I know where he stands. Me as a viewer, I was trying to think, like, do am I thankful that he did that? Am I thankful that he saved me from the thing he caused? <laughs> right? It's like, yo, no, yeah, don't go back to your house tonight uh because uh it's too late to drive and then the house is on fire and i could have died in fire 
but he's the one who set the fire for the insurance yeah. money. Like, no. I, like, I don't know. Like, like that's, that's a more more crass. This is more delicate, of course, because um, they're much better writers <laughs> than I am. But it just, I just said, I was just like, this is such a challenging scene to think about in either the in black and white terms of right or wrong. They're, like, this is all gray. This is just a whole gray area scene. Um, and so, so yeah, that just got where my mind was going. But the brilliance of it is exactly what you said. He lays the plan out, but, but in a different way. He essentially lays the entire plan out, but doesn't lay it out. Yeah, a couple of things. Brilliant acting, like to your point. It, this was, I mean, this is grade A acting to a T with these two characters. Um, number one, number one, he, so I thought about, I watched the scene and I thought immediately about Frank and Nick Sabaka's relationship because yeah. that's a good one. That's a good parallel. You think is you is like on the surface you you say well it's supposed to be love, but the actions that the characters Avon and Sabaka are doing are clearly self-serving because both of them are fighting for similar things. They number one Avon couple things. Avon, of course, wants to get out, but he also want, he wants his towers. He wants he, He's fighting for those towers to stay up and for his name and legacy. Frank is fighting for the union. So they are willing to use family members or willing to put family members in not so much in a harm's way, but are willing to ask family members to do things that uncles shouldn't ask their nephews to do. <laughs> you know, when we talk about love, now, I, I'm, there's no question Avon loves D'Angelo, Frank loves um, Nikki. We, we, I, I think they both love them. I think they both love them, but what they're doing, those actions are not, to your point in earlier, a couple of episodes ago, those, these are not loving actions. Like, this is not, this scene right here, this, this is not, he does, Avon is not doing this because he loves D'Angelo. Doing no, he's not. <laughs> he's doing this because he know he knows what's about to go down, and he doesn't want the Angelo to die <laughs> from that standpoint. So, which is well, nice. Which is not. Yeah, thank, thank you, thank, thank you, you, Uncle, for not <laughs> wanting me to die. Thank you. Very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate it. But and I and I think that the Angelo. I, I think the I, I don't think D'Angelo, uh, You know, I think D'Angelo follows suit because he. He knows his uncle. He knows his uncle. He knows who his uncle is. He knows how. But well, I'm going to pause you right there because no, I think his. I think Avon. I think the thing, the takeaway out of this is how manipulative Avon yeah. is, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, because he could have just said, I mean, this is somebody's organization. It took 20 years for them. Like, blah blah blah. He could have easily just said to him, "Yo, come here, holla at me. Let me just tell you what's going on." Blah blah blah. Um, but he doesn't do that because he knows that he knows D'Angelo's not with him like that, right? right? Like, yeah, so he had like, to be endearing. He had to, like, soften him up. Yes, no question. And challenge his manhood, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're both men. We have pride. We know what happens when our pride is challenged. It just automatically makes you want to prove that person wrong, right? right? Yeah. And, that, like, that was the depth of that conversation of what they were having. Like, yo, you look at Dusty, da da da. Oh, you can da da. You only doing it. I'm just doing da da. Okay, so you can just let that shit go for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Since you, since you, since it ain't no thing, you know that's that's that weak shit. <laughs> you, yeah, you're not yeah, weak. Yeah. 
<laughs> I never saw you. No, I never saw you as weak as the like that line. Oh my god! Like yo, I think he would have got me with that. Anybody would get he would have got me with that line. Yeah. Like yeah. with pretty much anything. Like yo, you eating chicken tonight? That's the weakness. <laughs> yeah, I never saw you sleep. I want to eat chicken. Not weak. Like it just it just gets you. It just hits you right here. And then especially if that's somebody that is older than you, and right. then older uncle than you, somebody coming at you like that, it's going to be challenging to resist that. And Avon knew that. Yeah, um, yeah he knows. I mean, he knows, yeah. he knows the answer. It's, no, this was, this was a Walter White, Jesse Pinkman level mind fuck. Like, there's no, there's no question. This was on that level. Like, this, <laughs> this was like, yo, this, I mean, this city was so layered with so many things going on. Because, I mean, he gives him the big picture as far as getting out but not again, again, without the micro, without the micro details. Like he, yes, gives, yes. he does give him the big picture yeah. of getting out. And then tells yeah. him, hey, I can shave some, I can shave 10 years off. You can shave 10 years off your 20, which, yeah. would, which would still piss me off if I'm D'Angelo. Like I, I got, I still got 20 to your, so 10 to your one, okay. <laughs> but but yeah, that's still, I'm sure, I'm sure that's still laying in on D'Angelo. The fact that he's gonna be in there longer than, uh, longer than Avon. Um, well, I mean, like, wait, we'll pause really quickly. Um, the overarching, like, the the conversation begins with uh, Avon talking about kind of going in his roundabout way, right, about the job at the library. And D'Angelo literally says, um, what you want me to say, thanks? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's like, you know, I said thanks. So the reason why I'm bringing that back up is, D'Angelo's done with Avon. He's been done with Avon. The only Avon person who made him take the years Avon. was his mom gilded him in there. Mom came through and right. got, got to him. But he's done with Avon. Yeah. He does yeah. not want to fuck with Avon. Nope. Which Stringer sees a mile away. Avon can't see it. Right. Um, in, in that, so all those dynamics come into play. But, um, yeah, D'Angelo's done with Avon. Just yeah. flat out. Yeah, Avon's the only one that can't see it, really, basically. So that, yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, double G. I've challenged that, but we we gotta we have we we'll, have we'll see. We'll have time. We'll, we have to wait to deep into yeah. next season. Yeah, we'll have time. But yeah. I I hear you. But yeah, we gotta wait to deep in next. Yeah, anyways, let's stop. Yeah, I was about to start talking about next season. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's easy. It's easy to slip. We we gonna be, we gonna get into we gonna there's yeah there'll be plenty. Avon, so Stringer Bell. We get introduced to another uh, character, another uh, new character. Um, well, no, he, no, he wasn't. No, he got. He was on the last episode as well, so no, he's not a new character. But we get more expansive. We get more in uh, more intel on Double G. He has a store. Uh, you have Double G, Nikki, and Ziggy, and Ziggy. Um, so that can that so that can that was taken off the docks was uh, some stolen, some cameras that Ziggy and Nick took off the docks. They, again, it was, how they did it was uh, just, you know, just beautiful in terms of how they maneuvered that. Um, they take the can off the docks, uh, the can of cameras off the docks. They make the deal with, with the Greek, not with the Greek, with uh, Double G, who, who, work, who works under, of course, under the Spiros and under the Greek. And, I think the thing about this, um, for all the for all the boneheaded shit that 
we've seen, you know, the goof off shit that we've seen out of Ziggy, we, we, we realize that he's not a complete asshole because this was his plan. And he also negotiates a much better deal than what Nick was going to get initially. I think he ended, they end up getting like uh, $20,000 up front. And um, I forgot the exact number they were going to get total. But initially, dude, was, uh, initially Two, they were 280000 280, okay. Yeah, 280. It was, it was 280000 Go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, you right. 280000 and 20000 up front. Um, Ziggy negotiates a better deal a better deal because Ziggy lets Double uh, G know, look, I've been doing my research on these cameras. They're going for $450, $450, dollars a pop. So, no, we, we're not taking that. That initial deal is no good. Double G gives in, and they make the deal. But, of course, typical Ziggy. Typical Ziggy asshole fashion. He takes a picture of both of them shaking hands and Double G breaks the camera. Um, also, uh, a key part of the scene um, and something that we will see play out. Nick, Double G makes the deal. Because remember, keep, keep in mind, folks, Double G is the one in power. He has the leverage. They, they need him. He doesn't need them. They're desperate for money, especially Nick, uh, uh, Nick, Nick Sabaka. But he says to Nick Sabaka, I'll make the deal. I'll make it up to my people because I like you. Very key part of the scene. What were your thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I actually I love the 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 uh, the back and forth that was going on between Ziggy and Double G and then Nick. And so the way that it broke down was um, Double G uh, says it's not two hundred eighty thousand. It's two hundred thousand. Um, so double double G says yada 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 about the cameras. This is what this is what he wants to do four hundred initially. Then um, then uh, Nick is like, yo, cool, okay. And then Zig's like, nah, five hundred. And he's like, because I went to Circuit City or looked around Circuit City, Best Buy, R.I.P. Circuit City. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the, Good old Circuit City. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I laughed at that. Um, and. Uh, and I was like, I remember Circuit City. Um, and uh, and he's like, I, you know, 550 uh, uh, max value, 500 on sale. So five, he's like, 500. Okay, cool. And so what would that be? And then Nick goes 200,000. And then, and then uh, Double G asks, so what are you looking for? And then uh, uh, Nico goes uh, 20%. Oh, no, he says 10%. And then um, Double G laughs and is like, I would like to go home. I would like a woman with thin ankles, but when I go home, there will be my wife. That was a good it's line. like 8%. Yeah, that was a great line. It was like 8%. And, um, and, uh, and the 8% turns to, he's like, there's three of us because they need to cut horse in. And so he's like, that's 5,000 for each of you. Um, because the eight percent turns to sixteen thousand, and then neat, and then I don't then think it's I think it's Johnny Fifty. I think well, Johnny, whoever, whoever's the third person, it doesn't matter. But third okay. person. So um, it's just a breakdown of money. So five thousand each, and then um, and then Nick says twenty thousand up front, and then they, they then uh, Double G says I have to go go back to my people to see that they agree. The reason why I took the time to break down that scene was because I love the interplay of all the characters in there. And no one was coming off as weak or stupid. Everybody had their part to play in this negotiation. And so they all equally need each other. That's, that's what they, they need each other. 
because because later on when we get to the the thing, I, I'll I'll say what um Double G when he's in there with um Spiros and the Greek, um uh he's talking to them about why this is such a good deal because they do have to okay it for him to make the deal. So he told he told them why it was such a good deal. So he needs what they're giving him. He's giving them the merchant. They're giving them merchandise at a much cheaper rate. Um so uh and then on top of that, I also love of. Like, like I said, Ziggy is a one-note character by definition throughout this season. He is the just the blazing bright sign of self-destructive behavior. If you guys couldn't tell it with what we're doing, like the writers and um, the creators, if you couldn't tell it with what we're doing more subtly with some of these other characters, here's what it looks like. But in order to make him human, he can't just fuck up all the time. None of us just fuck up all the time. Um, and so they, that like, I love this kind of like wink and nod to his humanity. Like Ziggy's thinking about things he just can't get out of his own way. That's, that's the human element of self-destructive behavior. Nobody wants to run out in front of that bus just because it sounds like it'll be fun. There's things that are, that are happening to you, again, deep down inside of, of your personality, the quiet spaces, at night, yada, 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 um, that drive you towards this behavior. Um, and so uh, I like the, the, that wink, that, that kind of like nod of like, nah, he's not a screw up all the time. He actually is human and does have good ideas. He just can't get out of his own way. And that's the tragedy of being self-destructive. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, you, kind of make that uh, analogy with, not analogy, but I think about sports. You know, he's, a, he's the guy who has some talent, but just, you know, couldn't, you know, couldn't stay off the bottle. Or couldn't yeah, stay, I mean, yeah. a yeah. great one, a great one would be one that probably more people know, Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. There's a documentary on it in Netflix. I know you were going to go that dark, but yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I went there. I went there. I just, to pull a name, like a other, bunch of other names came to my mind, but. Yeah. Yeah. That one signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah, like no. we we know we know the whole story on no. that one. So no. it it didn't make sense to to put it in because A B was the other one that immediately came to my mind. But there's you know all that stuff is still going on, so I didn't even you know. Um, but Aaron Hernandez, it it would be the perfect example of of that. So we have Balcheck and. and Valchek goes to visit the detail. He's and these what I mean. You talk about chilling. These dudes was wasn't doing like they are. They I mean it, it was you know just playing poker. It was just playing poker, watching TV. These these motherfuckers was doing nothing. Um, and of course this you know this sets Valchek completely off. Um, next scene we go. Um, Wait, I won't call it. There's not a lot. This is this is a scene. This is one of those instances where the scene is funny and there's not anything deeper to it. But I did want to point out, just because we keep pointing to the detectives that aren't doing shit and they're not doing shit. But when Valchek goes, "Where's the sergeant?" <laughs> My man goes, "Um, he's outside working a case." Like, yo, the sergeant's not even coming into work. What do you expect the detectives are going to do? Like, come on now. We're yeah. throwing them all the way under the bus, and the sergeant didn't even come in to work. <laughs> Anyways, that, that's the exact yeah. No, yeah. no, no depth there, just funny. Yeah. <laughs> just funny. Uh, sergeant, well, I forgot about that. He, well, he sure enough was gone. Um, 
So that leads us, of course, to the Burrell-Valchek confrontation, or more about Valchek confronting Burrell. Uh, Burrell was on the receiving end of this one. So Burrell, Burrell, Burrell's at a function. He's inches Not away. A, it is, it is the, it's the, they're going to vote on his commissionership. Yeah, yeah he's about to be, yeah, he's about yeah, to be. It's not a function. About he's about to be voted, yeah. He's about to be, become commissioner. And Valchek pulls out all the stops. He's like, look, you know, you basically know what time it is. You gave me some humps. I need a real detail. Uh, I got, I got political, I have political connects that can make it rough for you. A lot dirtier than you wanted to be. A lot closer than you wanted to be. Uh, in terms of uh, becoming commissioner, you'll probably win, but you you definitely don't want it to be as close as I can make it. Um, and he goes all in on Burrell, and you know, he asked Burrell about Daniels, of course, because the uh, you know that that course was sparked by Presbyluski's talk of the uh, Barksdale organization or the Barksdale case. And he also mentions that too. He also tells Burrell, "Yeah, I know about how the Barksdale case wrapped up." So I like I have plenty of shit on you that I will use without question if you don't, you know, if you don't fix this detail. So Burrell concedes, but he tells him, um, Daniels put his, you know, put already put it in his papers. And Dad Valchek is basically like, yeah, so uh, did he go past the pension board, pension board yet? I, like Valchek is not trying to hear any excuses. He's like, you're gonna get you're gonna give me what I want. Um, no questions asked. Like, I'm gonna get what I want. So we see uh, the the reach of one Stan Valchek as a major political figure being as a major political figure being a uh, who knows how to play the game. What were your thoughts? Yeah, just to go, I mean, like everything you said, like outlining the scene, there's 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 nothing deeper than everything that you just just outlined. I wanted to to jump on the point of the political game, I think this is what, what this is also showing us is that, um, is that uh, kind of like what I was saying with Jay Lansfield, it doesn't matter your personality, right? Like what, like how you're present, like how you're necessarily presenting yourself. If you get to exposition in the department, it's because you know how to play the game. Right. Right. Yeah. And you're, you're, a, you're, you're astute at playing the game, which means doing a job, well, to be recognized, but also knowing what to do with with all the different connections that are around you. We keep saying like political game, like this is some like non-reality to everyday life of everybody. Everything is politics all the time. Everything, everything is. Um, and so, so, uh, Barrett, I mean, Valchek, everything that you said accurate and, and just, just essentially is just like, yo, I do this too. Let's yeah. do this too. Yeah. Like and and what? Don't mess with me. With like like you can't play me like you play your subordinates. I'm not your subordinate. Yeah. No. <laughs> he let me. Let's, let's not get that twisted. I'm not your subordinate. Yeah. He laid. So, but that's kind of like what I was saying with Rawls in the other episode. With it's easy to push around the people you have hiring and firing power over. These are your direct equals. You can't play the same games. You play with everybody else with them. Well, I mean, Valchek is like, you know, Burrell is above Valchek, but Valchek has so many contacts and so many, and it's so sound. Well, well, the the thing that they're trying to, the thing that they're showing us is um, that yes, of course, he's commissioner, but he's commissioner. Why is he commissioner? Why is Burrell commissioner? Right? Yeah. And um, 
especially at this point in time in the show, it's very tentative. And um, the commissionership, just like any other electable office, is dependent upon. Yes. So, so no, his power is not absolute with any no, stretch of the imagination. No, I mean, look at it like look at it like this. You know, with, go to any sports league. The commissioners, the power depend on the owners. Look at Valchek. Yes. So that that you know that's a, that's the way I would describe it uh, from that standpoint. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he Valchek laid laid his point out. He did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he and, did. And we and, and by the way, the guy who plays don't. As a matter of fact, I'll quote him directly. Don't fuck with me on this, Burrell. <laughs> that, was, that was his point. Yeah. Well taken. The dude who plays Valchek is just, he, 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 yeah, he's, he's, he's real good. He's very, yeah. I, I, this is the only thing I ever saw him in is the wire, but he, yeah. you know, he's real good. Yeah. He plays perfect. In this role. Yep. Yeah. He's perfect in this role, for this role. Um, Tillman, uh, gets, of course, Tillman's gotten the drugs from uh, Butchie. He gives uh, inmate the drug. Inmate, uh, he gives the inmate the drugs to distribute. And and of course, we know that D'Angelo does not um, doesn't take the drugs. No, because his, his uncle tested his manhood. Yep. Um, Spiro and Double G. So. Spiro runs, not Spiro, uh, Double G runs this, of course, by Spiro, who's, of course, the second in charge behind the Greek, um, describing the camera deal. They confirm the camera deal. And um, Spiro, you know, says, you know, make the deal. Um, basically, without hesitation. Like, I, I, I didn't, it wasn't no too much push and pull. It, um, Double G laid, you know, laid the numbers out there, laid the case out there, and Spiro was, you know, and I, I think part of that, too, because Spiro, Spiro respects, um, I mean, it's of course financial is number one, but he also respects uh, Nick, Nikki Sabaka. Um, they very much, very, very much disrespect <laughs> Zicky. Oh, no, they, um, know. they know you. And so, and so, but the, the only reason I was going, the only point I was going to mention in this scene was Spiro says they're giving me 10 cents on the dollar. So that's what I meant. That I wanted to be very specific in terms of their function is, and that's that's what funk anybody who's boosting stuff um, is to drive the price down for for the uh, the wholesaler G double G in this this case, um, so that he can he could take the profit and keep the price down so that co consumers keep coming back. Blah blah. That's 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 whatever that's whatever that is just neither here nor there but um the 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 big point being that um this uh this enterprise of dock workers just down there wanting ships that's being stripped away bit by bit so you got individuals that are driven by desperation to do desperate things but you also have a system of things that are going on in the docks that are just not okay, but acceptable, but have just been accepted as this is what being on the docks is. I work, but I can also boost shit or take stuff when I need it, whether it's for my personal stuff or because Nick in this series is being pigeonholed into or being put into a very specific corner, I'm going to keep 
upping the risk and Ziggy's right there and will never ever be like nah <laughs> nah chill out chill out on what we're doing so um so it's it's it, you're you're seeing the the mystique of the docks being stripped away and then you're also seeing the mystique of uh of Nick's principles being stripped away okay because he's shitting, he's always shitting on Ziggy. He's always shitting on black people, you know, shitting on black people out there doing what they're trying to do, you know. But yet, you keep, you keep moving towards that, that avenue. You keep going down that road. Right. Um, from the quote-unquote hardworking, decent, pe- decent people. If that's the other side. If drug dealing's on one end, the other end is... Uh, hard-working, decent people. So he's getting further and further away from that that life. No, without, yeah, he's, yeah, he, he's there at this point. Like, this, you know, this is the... I mean, he was there at the beginning of the series. I mean, like, the first conversation we see between Frank and Nick is about stealing shit, but now, but they're, now, they're, now they're showing us it. Yeah, I mean, he was, he, but the difference is, when he's doing it with, with Sabaka with his own right, right, he, right. He, he was not profiting. This is now well, this is his own. This he's doing his own. Uh, there is no difference. Frank of everybody's profiting. Everybody's profiting. But no, no Nick the, was Nick wasn't but the the difference and and dad his dad talks to Frank about this at the very end of the sh- at the very end of the series. So I won't go into it in detail. But the point is once you dip your toe in, there's no going back. You can't like what the water you can't do all these justifications. That that shit doesn't work out. You're stealing, you're stealing. Period. Now he's taking greater personal risk with it, absolutely, at this point in time, but he's always been a thief. Yeah, no, they are, yeah, no question. No question about that. And there is, the difference, the difference wasn't that he stole for the honor of the union. The difference was he was stealing on Sabaka's behalf and was taking little to no cut of it now i agree with you there but that's not a difference from now i'm stealing for myself stealing is stealing period yeah no still no he was stealing from the beginning you have ziggy dolores and ringo or wait let me pause really quickly or let's take it to that deeper level um once you make choices to uh uh uh, uh um, to become uh, what's the opposite of amoral character um there's no going back on that so once you make that choice as a character of righteous path versus non-righteous path you can't you can't try to walk that in between and so um Nick and Frank, Frank taking the greater responsibility because he's the uncle, he's the oldest, he's supposed to care about his nephew and not show him how to go down this non-righteous path. These are horrible, I just can't think of the words right now, but that other path, but once he did show him that, there was no going back. And all Nick was going to do was escalate the personal wealth of himself as he's driven more and more towards "Quote unquote desperation." Yeah, I mean, there's no question. Frank, oh, Frank, opened that door. 
I just wanted to take it out. It's not about the stealing. That's not what it's about. It's about the 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 path the characters are choosing to walk themselves down and the justifications they give themselves. Because as we know, the stealing will morph into something else. So yeah. it's not about stealing. It's about the choices these characters are making. Yeah, Ziggy, Dolores, Ringo. Of course, Ringo is the gentleman who, the stevedore who uh, threatened to leave uh, Frank Sabaka's uh, union union to go to another uh, to another one because of the lack of hours that he was getting. Um, he gets his shot in the beer, and along with that shot in the beer comes a, a you know a a boatload of cash from uh, Frank Sabaka that he gets that he receives through the bartender Dolores. And as this is going on, Ziggy, who had a great day. Uh, watches um, and he hears Dolores say, you know, this um, this is from Frank Sabaka, which, you know, gets, which, which annoy, you know, which, you know, based on his facial expression, you know, annoys him and plays on his uh, insecurity without question. Again, I mentioned earlier, we mentioned earlier in the show that looming shadow of Avon Barksdale over, over the world of Stringer Bell. Wait, hold on, pause. No, uh-uh. I got it. Wait, I have to talk about that bar scene. Were you going oh, past that bar no, scene? No, 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 no. I'm making a point. No, I'm making a point. Okay, okay. Oh, sorry. I was I like, said, wait, what? What's no, happening? No, no. I said, no. <laughs> okay. I said, I'm making a comparison. I said, we talked earlier about the looming shadow of Avon Barksdale over Stringer Bell in the world. And we see it with this, the looming shadow of Frank Sabaka over yeah. Ziggy. Yeah, always. And it, and it bothers Ziggy. And yeah. clearly in this scene, it bothers Ziggy. Because you think about it, there's no reason for Ziggy to be upset considering the day yet. Like you just made a, you engineered a deal to make a boatload of money. But yet, well, pause, pause, because like what you said there was really deep. And I think you need to dig into that a little bit more. You equate it. Avon to Sabaka and Stringer to Ziggy. Right. That's that's those some big big time comparisons. You need you need to pull that apart a little bit more. No, because I, I mean we've been talking about we with McNulty and Stringer and now with Ziggy in terms of insecurities yeah. and how the insecurities the insecurities yeah. of these characters drive yeah. and drive their mindset. So. I brought up that I brought up Stringer, I brought up Ziggy in comparison to his father, because again, I you know he had a great day. He made he engineered a deal that's going to make him and and Nick Sabaka a lot of money. He, he, it was his idea, but yet he that goes to the to the back door in his mind in that moment when he hears that his father has just gave this dude you know. His father has gave his dude the amount of money he's given him, and his father's name is ringing out. Um, and even at the end of the scene, you see Dolores, the, the bartender, says, "You know, your dad is a your dad's a good man, Ziggy." Um, which I we you know we we both know that's not true, but um, I guess she was trying to make a point of you know from, from, her, perspective. from her perspective. He has good attentions from her perspective. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so 
yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, that we, we see that, in, that insecurity and what that insecurity, what insecurity can do to a character. Um, yes. Yes. No, I just want you to say again, because it's such a good point. Um, and it's such a good comparison and people won't automatically get there um, between those two, but uh, between the, that combo, but it's 1000% applicable and very, 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 very deep of what you're, what you're talking about. You're absolutely right. Um, uh, 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 especially the part where you said um, Avon and Stringer in terms of like the name that looms over Stringer and will always loom over Stringer wow. is Barksdale. Yes. And the name that looms over Ziggy will always loom over Ziggy yeah. is Sabaka. Like it just like like it's just that, and the insecurities drive them to doing the different things that do. Stringer, it looks one way for Ziggy, it looks another way. Um, so that was that was just a well made point. So I just wanted that to be repeated. Then on top of that, there's a whole bunch of things going on in this bar at at this point in time. The first thing is um, since we're making comparisons then uh where else do we see a bar in this in this uh uh episode butchie's bar right butchie's yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so you got the juxtaposition of butchie's bar where these where illicit activities are are happening and then you have the juxtaposition of dolores's bar where illicit activities are happening here yes. <laughs> like that that money wasn't that didn't come from uh uh hard earned you know <laughs> days work and going like no uh-uh, uh-uh. and it's in it kind of in the exact same manner right uh, envelope a cat cash gets packed you know like like so i just i love like that's what we're talking about when we're like everything these it seems like this something happens in a bar and we can pull so much out of it um, that just makes this show so rich. So, so just that. And then the second thing is Ziggy's chilling. Not only does Sabaka's loom over him, but Ziggy's chilling. Dolores goes, what's wrong with you? He's, he's like, I had a good day. I made money today. She's like, no, no, no. Even before that, he's like, he's like, he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, you're acting normal. Yes. Is that to say to a person like, "Damn, can I live? I can't do anything. I can't just come in here, sit down, enjoy your drink. Um, otherwise, I'm going to be called out. So if I'm going to be called out for something, I might as well be called out for what I'm known for, right? Like, what what's the point of me trying to chill and be inconspicuous if I'm going to be called out? So, anyways, I felt for Ziggy in that moment, and. This is another actor. I have no clue what else he's been in, but he fucking killed this Ziggy role because everything you were able, I was able to get that comparison for Ziggy to Stringer, Avon, the whole thing, not because of any words anybody said, but it was all on Ziggy's face. He just looks up, looks down, looks da da da. Ziggy never says a word. It's all on his face. And we get all of that emotion from there. Everything that you get, I could not agree with you 100%. It's because of what the actor did in the writing and the structure and the directing the episode, directing of all of that, of course, happens. But it's just another instance of just like, whoa, wow. Like this, this is this is some really, really good stuff. And all that came out of that scene in the bar. Brilliant. 
Yeah, like so with the bar. I'll take my shots, but I will definitely point out when they are brilliant. With um, with the oh, bartender, she, you know, you go back to two bartenders, Butchie and uh, Dolores. Um, and we talked about justification of why you do what you do. Um, they are completely comfortable with what they're doing. They're completely comfortable. It seems like they're completely comfortable. Like this is like, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like with both of them, even though they're different people and we, we all see what Butchie does and Dolores doesn't have, you know, it's not, her role won't be as near as big as, as, as Butchie's will be in the future. But this is kind of like normal for them. It's, this shit is like normalized. When we talked about, you know, even, I don't want to It's normalized when we talked about going back to season one, when Wallace went out. Like that shit wasn't, he wanted out because he and Wallace and D'Angelo, they wanted it. They wanted out because they, they, they were, that shit wasn't normal to them. And they wanted out. This shit is normal. This, these two bartenders, it's like, oh, look, business as usual. Keep it moving. The argument that the show is making is that um, when institutions fail, people do desperate things and it gets ugly from a human perspective and then the police are, are left to clean it up and whatever society figure it out, blah, 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 all of that. Part of that is because normal institutions, um, i.e. banks, i.e. Congress in it, like in these in these places, and we know this if we just take the Frank Sabaka kind of juxtaposition, right? Like, there's the show is making an argument because the city wants to enrich itself, and the elite few on that boat at the very beginning want to enrich themselves. It's at the decay and detriment of everybody else, and so what becomes the poor man's bank? What becomes the poor man's, da, da, da. what becomes the institution that people can rely on is the ones that are in their neighborhoods, right? And in both of these circumstances, again, this is the brilliance of the wire, the juxtaposition, black, white, doesn't matter. We're all being crushed by what is going on. Um, and we're all being like, like yoked down and, um, and there's only a very few people who are getting off of this. And so, um, in both of those circumstances, Butchie is the de facto before, as we know, one Omar Little, um, but as we see negotiating terms with different people in there, and uh, or loan, loan shark, whatever, however you want to break it down. That's the de facto there, and in their neighborhood, the bar is everything honestly like that the bar probably gets more at equal play as the docks in in, in this season right. um and, and up until right now right so there, there's a lot going on in that bar but that bar is that de facto safe space for all types of activities to happen um in the neighborhood because that's all that's all that's that's their circle that's that's all that is given to them this little patch of land for for particular group of people, whether economically or or ethnically, um, put together to to uh try to scratch out a living. Yeah. Yeah. No, great, great scene. Uh, like you said, uh, what's the guy's name is uh James Ransom. Ransom. Um Ziggy. Yeah. His, his name is Ziggy. Ziggy, yeah, Ziggy. He's all he'll be always you know. 
He'll always be Ziggy to me. I would definitely be like one of those people, like on the outside. outside. I would do that. I would do that. For him, up, I would Ziggy? do that. I'd be like, Ziggy! What up, Ziggy? Um, McNulty receives his papers from his wife. Um, you know, no surprise there. Uh, and again, it's, it's setting up his, to your point, deconstructive behavior that, 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 that you know, we'll see. Um, yeah. Um, Sad yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be a lot. Uh, final scene. D'Angelo with the inmates. Um, they realize that the package has been spiked. You have a number of inmates, you know, carried out on a stretcher, you know, who have, who are, who have, uh, who are out of it, have either, you know, who have been poisoned. Um, D'Angelo, of course, is trying to find out what's going on. They give him, and, you know, they give him, you know, the lowdown, you know, bad package, hot shots, which was, of course, the name, the title, name of the episode. And we end the scene, end the episode with what the king stayed a king, Avon, chilling with a book, <laughs> as if, you know, <laughs> as if nothing was going on, just laying back in his cell and reading a book. And uh, that's how the episode closes. Yeah. Um, he, know, he knows why all this is happening. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. He, he don't have to. He don't have to be stressed about anything. He knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, and um, why and why it's going on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like if there was the the way that that end scene is framed and shot. If there was ever, if there was going to be like, if somebody was holding on to a sliver of like maybe D'Angelo and Avon can like that was it. That uh, was it. That was it. Uh, that's the that's the complete severing of ties visually. We'll get words next um, episode, but visually, that was the severing of the ties between those two. Yeah, I mean, D'Angelo has seen this movie before with Avon, you know, doing things that self-serve, sacrificing lives. He, so he, like you said, he, you know, he's, I mean, he, he was done with it after, at, you know, season one. Well, I mean, well, here, here's the thing. Like, we say things like the king stay the king, and I was thinking a lot about this. I was juxtaposing this scene in my head with the Walter White scene in Breaking Bad when he has the, um, where he has the uh, crew go in and kill like everybody in 12 seconds, all that stuff. Anyways, right. um, so uh, we say the king stays the king, but the reason why D'Angelo's done with him is he looks at his boy who did nothing to Avon, who has done nothing to him. Right. And he's laid out on that cart about to die, right? Yeah. Like, so like, like, yeah, but no. <laughs> like, like, uh-uh. Like at a certain point, viciousness is just viciousness. Evil's evil being... Yeah. Being heartless and cool is just being heartless and cool. As we know about D'Angelo, D'Angelo's not that. He's just not that. No. He's not that. Um, and again, that's, all, that's what makes this story so tragic. I mean, there's an argument that D'Angelo's probably the most tragic figure in this whole entire series. And that's what makes him so tragic. And that's what makes him stand out is that he wasn't like that. He wanted something else. And no matter what he wants, he's surrounded by this evil that is Avon. So let's 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 pull pull that pull that pieces pull that piece away. And so like like yeah, there are moments of triumph in the drug game for Avon and Stringer. But what we what the off what the director, what the creators, what the actors want you to connect to is the consequences of those actions. And 
So that's what D'Angelo's looking at. That's why, like, the first thing that you hear is, like, the voices and D'Angelo yelling out what's going on and somebody yells back at him, like, what's going on? And then he starts to see the stretchers come out and he sees his, his guy being pulled out of that out of that thing. That's why it's a visual severing. Because yeah. what Avon does is he exploits people for his own game. Might be fine and cool for all those who are all in the game, but so many people, and as we are introduced to the Barksdale crew, it is a, that's one of the, the main points is that innocence are now people who are, have nothing to do with the game are getting caught up in the cruelty and the viciousness and the death cycle. That's where, that's where you can't condone where things are going. And that's, D'Angelo's our avatar for that. Like, nah, everybody, that's not cool. No, no. We will see, we'll see where where this, um, where this, uh, how this moves forward. Um, MVP and the Chardin Award, I had, I had Avon as the MVP. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, I think that uh, the strategy that he said, I just think that the strategy that he took, the opportunity that he took out of this in, in regards to using the Tillman, uh, what Tillman did, how it started in, in, in terms of what it would end up morphing into, you know, um, I think I thought was brilliant. Um, he didn't have to tell, like, again, he did it without um, really giving up a lot of information as far as his his entire plan um, to not only D'Angelo, but also to Stringer as well. Um, he, so it was, obviously it was dirty and grimy as hell, just dehumanizing these prisoners who, you know, trying to serve whatever time they have left. And, you know, just they're basically sacrificial lambs. But I think that it was kind of important for the series to show him in this light of, all right, I can plan, I can strategize, I can, you know, I can make these moves as well. It's not just Stringer, who's the plan, who's the guy, who's the planner, who's the strategy guy that we've seen Stringer be in, like, throughout the first season. You know, Avon, he's been, Avon and Stringer have kind of had that, you know, that yin and yang as far as, you know, he'll go, he'll seek, he will seek Stringer, he will seek advice from Stringer in certain, you know, dealing with Omar or certain other things. This was him, you know, this was him doing, you know, this was him playing this out and we'll, you know, we'll see what this, we'll see what this morphs into. So um, I had him as uh, my MVP. Who was yours? So I'm going to take a little bit of a different tack with the MVP. Um, because there were so many powerful acting scenes in this episode. Um, like, I honestly, I had a hard time choosing, choosing, choosing between, but I'm going to, I'm, da- I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to do uh, Bunk Freeman, Bunk and Freeman for ethering Jimmy McNulty. That, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. That's, those are my MVPs. And I mean, like the initial, like I mean, like they they were brilliant in this episode. Yeah. So that's my no, MVP. I could, yeah, no, they were. No, they yeah, were. like I said, I watched that scene four times. There's no way I was not gonna call that out. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. 
Um, and I, I'm not even mad at, at what uh, McDulty did in the scene at all. Like I would put him right in there, but if I, if if I'm just going MVPs because they they two piece they four pieced them <laughs> they, they gave they gave it to him in the best way that to give it to McNulty is to show him not he's not the smartest person in the room. That's yeah. how you hurt him. He had no he had no retort to that. There's nothing he could he could have. No, nah. nothing. Because he was Johnny come lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, that that was a brilliant scene. As far as the Chardine Award, I got co, uh, um, I have co-characters for this. Um, initially, I had uh, Nick Sabaka alone, but then as um, I started thinking about it more and we discussed in this episode, I, I had to put, like, I had to put Ziggy there. I had to put Nick and Ziggy, uh, Ziggy and Nick. Um, the scenes that they were in together were brilliant, but also their scenes where they they both had moments where they were where they projected just this internal i'm not gonna say hate but this internal desperation or this internal despair uh ziggy at the bar nick sabaka at the docks when he's talking about um when he's talking to ziggy about being on his ass or even ziggy or even nick at the uh any not the opening scene but one of the first scenes uh, when he's getting his hair cut from his girlfriend or from his you know his baby mama, uh, and he, you, you see, he sold that desperation to a T. He sold how desperate he was, and Ziggy, of course, again, the the subtlety of that of his performance in that last scene was a uh, was a, alone enough to get you know to garner this this uh, performance award. So Ziggy and Nick. Yeah, it's Ziggy. It's the bar scene. We've talked. We talked about it. The bar scene was yeah. The bar scene was powerful. It was everything. It was everything. For me as a Ziggy fan, it was everything. It was everything. Um, yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. I. I just. You know, but like definitely. The the way to get me as a viewer to really appreciate the work is show me don't tell me i much much prefer to be shown the scene than for somebody to go into a whole soliloquy about what's about to happen um and so you know we as we said that that actor he he crushed that scene he he, he said a million different things with no words and conveyed the exact emotion that needed to be conveyed in that scene. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just be talking over points that we've already talked about. It was no, no, it was, it, no, it was, a, it was a brilliant scene. And you know, you think about this episode, um, I like, I you said coming in, you had a lot to say about this episode. Uh, a lot of people, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I admittedly, when I watched this episode initially, I thought that um, even though there was so much to go on, I thought like, hmm, okay, it's, it's, I was like, it's moving. I said, I thought it was slow moving, but when I went back and started doing prep work for the show, for this episode, and for this podcast, I was like, whoa, yeah, this is, it was a lot of stuff that was going on, and that. You know, it's not about the wire as you will as 
if you haven't learned, if you haven't learned already through the first, you know, season and a couple episodes that we've done this the second, second season, not about the traditional wow factors and wow scenes. They're not trying to do that, and it's it can be it can be hard as a viewer when you have been programmed and used to television that that I want to pay you back until you time. Keep going. That, that gives you that, you know, sex, sex scene, action scene, uh, explosion. And that so you have to you when you watch the wire, you almost have to like retrain your mind in terms of expecting what you're gonna see. And it, to your to your point, when you said this many times, it is a novel. Sometimes you got, you know, a good book, sometimes you gotta read it multiple times before you get, you know, get stuff out of it. I mean, I'm sure, no, not sometimes, you have to read it multiple times to get different points out of it. And that that is the brilliance of this episode. Like on the surface, I thought the episode, when I first, when I watched it, like, oh, just was, was kind of waiting for stuff to happen, but no, things were happening. It was just happening with just, it was just happening, you know, and happening, happening. It was just, it was just brilliant storytelling. It was just, it was just that. It was just that layer, and it wasn't. It's just not about that, that wow factor. And that's what the what's even the ex- experience that I am watching the wire. You still have to remember that when you're watching the show. Yep. So I when as soon as I was done watching it, um, just like the straight through, I knew we were going at least two hours on this episode. Like I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And so here, here's why I say that. Um, the reason why I love season two uh, so much is because it was so risky. And it's, it still is one of the most risky moves I've seen anybody make in the entertainment space because it would have been so easy. And HBO just wanted to just continue on with the Avon Barksdale, the drug story. It had been so easy to do that. And they didn't. Why didn't they do that? You got to ask yourself why. And the answer is, is because The Wire is a show that challenges the viewer to ask why. Like, in, that's why this is such a multi-layered episode that we're talking about. And like, yeah, if we just hit everything on the surface, oh, we could have been done with this in 15 minutes. Yep, this happened, that happened, blah, 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 done. But that's, that's what a good book is. Yes, you do have to read a good book multiple times. You have to. A good one. That is not just telling you what happened, but wants you to examine the human experience. And that's what The Wire is challenging us to do. And that's why season two is like, in degree of difficulty, a million. In degree of difficulty, a million. You're going to do what? Go to some dock workers and change half the cast and bring in all these new characters and re- Re, uh, redo the exact pace that you did for season one. So we're going to, have to start out slow again as you break. Like what? Like why would anybody make it that difficult? Because they had a story to tell, and they had an overarching story to tell, and they wanted to challenge us. Season two is the most challenging season because it's not obvious. They really made us think. Like the the next three seasons, as great as they are, and we are coming up on pure unadulterated greatness do not get me wrong the reason i hold this season high is because of the degree of difficulty in which they did they did not have to go this route they chose to go this route 
and they chose to go this route for very specific reasons that will outline on that. But what I respect most about it is that they not only chose to go this route, but then they chose to challenge us. And that's why a lot of people opted out of this because they didn't want to be challenged. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> they didn't want to be challenged. Um, and this is this this season, you cannot just watch this season as like, oh, I'm eating some popcorn and just gonna sit back and oh, no. watch the watch, watch. Uh-uh. Nope. Nope. Not even close. Not even close. You gotta dig to get the enjoyment out of this season. And if that's not your cup of tea, that's not your cup of tea. But we're the ones talking about the wire. So yeah, yeah that no. is our cup of tea. Yeah. And I love this episode. Yeah, no, this is this is a great episode. I I like like even going through this conversation, going through these scenes and just some of the stuff that you, you take from the, you know, with, with Stringer and identifying new, like these new characteristics that we didn't, weren't, weren't able to see in past years and, uh, and, and what have you, you know, it's just, you know, this is what you take out of these subtle uh, scenes or the, these scenes that you might think that you not skip over, but you, that you might not think, ah, okay, I can kind of, Relax on that. Like, no, this scene, this, you, your antennas have to be up from start, from the opening epigraph, or from the opening scene to the final scene. Like, you, like, it's just not, it's not, there's no, it's relentless from that standpoint. You know, you think a scene is for comedy, like, nope, there's some underlining, you know, some underlining subtext to, to what's going on. So, um, it will pick up though. You know, just like season one, the first couple of episodes, it definitely will pick up. Definitely, the pace definitely will pick up. You'll start to see some payoffs. But again, you also are going to see your fair share of uh, setup and things that are going to project over the course of the final uh, three seasons as well. So keep that in mind. You know, keep that in mind also. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, like, the, the, my final thought. off of what you were saying was um you know like you don't get (laughs) you don't get to this level of artistry without knowing how to tell a story so trust and faith they're going to tell the damn story in in the most interesting way possible but then that next level of like truly getting the most out of the wire is to start asking yourself, why are the characters acting the way they are? Sometimes, I mean, you can do that with any television show, right? Like I was, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend and um, she was like, I, I want to go back and watch, uh, 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 what's that, Entourage. I was like, you can, but you're not going to get anything out of that. That show was a very time-specific, superficial, da-da-da show. That's what it was. And yeah. they went back and watched it. It's like, yeah, I couldn't get it. I said, like, I told you because you can, you, you can, you can apply that uh, 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 strategy to a whole bunch of shows, right? Like, why is that character doing what? And uh, most shows, you will come out disappointed because there is no answer. No. Why is that character doing it? Because the writer just said they need to do that. <laughs> but... but the truly great shows, and this is one of the ones that are truly great, think throughout, think about everything about that character. Give them a before story from birth all the way through death, right? Even though they're only going to show five years, right? But they know you can ask them anything about that character 
why did that character do what they did? Da, 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 and they can give you a whole dialogue going back to birth of what their mom did and everything. The writers, the creators have that in their mind. So they understand the motivations of their characters so they can be more subtle with it. Those shows that are very transparent and talky and telly and this is, this is what it is, is because they haven't thought through, in my humble opinion, they haven't thought through the depth of the characters' motivations. Um, so they can't show any subtlety because they don't have any subtlety to show. So that's, this, it's another thing that just makes, makes this show great. But when you were talking, that just really made me think of like the reasons why The Wire is spectacular. Yeah, no question. I think that is a perfect way to close out the show, to close out the podcast. As, as always, thanks to Robert Sapp for joining, joining the show. I will appreciate you. Stay safe out there. Be safe, be healthy. All right. Later. Later. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix. As always, this show will be on my YouTube channel um, probably around midnight. I'll, I'll get it up before. I'll get it up around uh, probably close to midnight, maybe even before that, as well as anywhere you can find any of uh, your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, uh, et cetera. Um, I will see you next time. Stay safe. I'm out.